Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Game Time with Manny. I am here as always with Matt. And uh, we have a decent amount of news to talk about. Yeah, some weird stuff. Eh? Yeah, not so much on the like what we played front, I don't think. but uh, No, a little bit. Okay. But... And uh, then for the final part, we're going to talk about God of War. Game of the year of last year because we the documentary came out last week yes. that Sony put out called Raising Kratos, which is very interesting. Which um, apparently they've done this with like all their games. Oh, really? Yes. So this so people have been kind of like waiting for this, and I bet you money they will not make one about Days Gone. No, <laughs> I. <laughs> It, I don't want to spoil anything for later, but like it really makes you appreciate what game developers go through. It does. I, most of the documentaries I find about video game development make you appreciate mm-hmm. the people behind it a lot more. Yeah. But... I boy, I would I would pay Sony money to watch a documentary about what happened with Days Gone, where they're like, yeah, remember when we had dialogue choices and then at the last second we had to cut all that? I would watch that documentary. <laughs> that shit would be sick. Is that what you would rather watch? Like something of that? Uh, like just a fucking train wreck mm. of magnitude. Like what? Like the no clip documentary about Final Fantasy fourteen. Like right. the lead was so candid about how the original version of fourteen was a flaming pile. Right. And they still had to support it at the same time as they developed the new Final Fantasy fourteen. Like, that shit's crazy. Where they're just interviewing the people mm-hmm. who worked on the team, and they're like, yo, I thought we were all gonna die. Yeah. And, like, get fired. <laughs> and, like, the fact that they ended up making something new and cool mm-hmm. was also interesting. But, yeah, man, it's more fun to watch a car wreck, you know? You gotta... Well... Before I'll <laughs> one last thing on this is just I'm surprised how candid Sony let them be about some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah for it, sure. It, it is very shocking that they could like because you end up just feeling bad for a lot. Yeah, of them it's and, a it's it was a lot different watching like the Double Fine produced documentaries by mm-hmm. Two Player Productions because they're a way smaller studio. Right, and Tim Schafer's like, yo, say whatever you want, man. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they would get like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really crazy shit that they would say. Um, but I mean, for Sony being such a big corporation, yeah, for them, it, to, it is shocking that they for them to say some of the stuff they yes. did. Yeah. But uh, I guess we'll hop into the news. Which, speaking of PlayStation, yeah, the, the PlayStation the state. state of Play. Yeah. Okay, they did much better this time for their their shot at a Nintendo Direct. This play, this State of Play was concise. It was like fifteen ish minutes, mm-hmm. and. I don't think they should have blown the surprise right at the beginning. Because uh, it started with that classic, iconic menu sound. And anyone who's ever fucking played Final Fantasy VII before is like, oh, that's the Final Fantasy VII menu sound. Anyone who's played it. There's mm-hmm. no one who's played Final Fantasy VII that doesn't know what that sound sounds like. But then they go right in and they're like, oh, but what if we showed you Monster Hunter now? And it was like, well, that's kind of fucked up. But I know you're going to show me the Final Fantasy VII remake at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, which I am more excited about the Monster Hunter DLC. Because it is called Iceborne. It comes out... Uh, in, oh, fuck. They actually had a date. It's like September something if... And I also watched the half-hour stream that they did in Japan after the State of Play. Mm-hmm. It was somehow... It was longer than the entire PlayStation State of Play, just about Monster Hunter. Oh. Where they talked about like how they're releasing it on disc as like both of them as one for mm-hmm. 60 bucks, And you can download it standalone if you have the main game for like 30 bucks or something. 
Um, it adds a dope new snow area to Monster Hunter World. Uh, they showed two new monsters whose names I don't remember at all. Okay. One of them was a like weird giant deer thing, and it would like pick up trees in its horns, and mm-hmm. it would give it more range. And the other one was pretty much an old monster. It looked exactly like the Zamtrios, which is a monster I love, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. And I was like, that seems dumb, because right. this monster is based on ice, and then you just made the same thing, but slightly different. Um, so I don't know how I feel about that one, but they had teased that the Nargukuga was going to return the last time. He's like a giant bat thing with a crazy spiky tail. I love the Nargukuga. Mm-hmm. His armor sets are always so heinously ugly that it makes me upset, because it's like weird like fishnet mesh mm. and it like doesn't even look like armor and you're like this monster's so dope why does this look like trash maybe they'll fix it this time i doubt it yeah i was gonna say uh, probably the same because they want to appeal to people who like that armor for some reason uh and so then in their actual stream people were speculating because there are these little elephant herbivores called popos mm-hmm in all the other Monster Hunter games, the Tigrex eats the fuck out of Popos. And people are like, yo, where's the Tigrex? At the end, they played the same trailer during the Monster Hunter stream, and then the Tigrex roared at the end, and you're like, oh, hell yeah. Also, mm. that sucks, because that monster's so annoying and hard. Oh, but yeah. if the Nargukuga and the Tigrex are coming, yo, shit, I would pay 30 bucks for that, because those are those monsters are iconic. They're so good. Do you think it'll just be these those four? No, I, there has to be more. Okay. Um, and they like made it seem. Oh, uh, they showed uh, an elder dragon as well, another ice elder dragon. Mm. Um, they said its name, but like didn't show gameplay of it or anything. It just is a big ass ice dragon that shoots ice. Just uh, weird because I already have a big elder dragon that shoots ice. But who, mm. who am I to judge? It's a the it, so it seems like the only new area is an ice area. Okay. Um, and apparently the further you go through the story, the more areas unlock, which sort of happened in some places in Monster Hunter World, but it adds G-Rank, well, it's not called G-Rank anymore, it's called Master Rank, so it basically, you'll just be able to fight every monster again, but they'll have new moves and more stuff, so, like, that alone is Mm. worth the money for me and people who like to play Monster Hunter, um, so I'm pretty hyped. Right. It seems like they put a lot of work into it, and they also were sort of developing it simultaneously with Monster Hunter World for part of its development. Um, well, I would assume the monster rank or the the master rank and stuff. If you're already working on like the two ranks, yeah, you might, then as, well you might as well do the other one, which is right. how they normally do releases on mm. Monster Hunter. I think it's cool that it is uh, DLC, right, as opposed to the way they normally do it. Which is be like, yo, it's a whole new $60 product. You have to pay $60. Aren't you excited? This sounds more like an expansion pack. <laughs> yeah, for, sh- for sure. But I, the fact that it adds just mm-hmm. Master Rank for every monster for the right. whole thing is like yeah. super cool. Uh, so yeah, I am excited about that. I also got way more information from watching a separate stream from right. the state of play. But it was interesting. Uh, then they went on to... Sh- this was weird. There's going to be a Predator game, mm-hmm. but, like, I, this is one of the things I think is weird about when you have your presentation be 15 minutes. There's nothing about this game, like, other right. than that the Predator was there and the 20th Century Fox logo. Which, so, like, okay, I would play a game about the Predator, I guess, but I would want to be the Predator. Right. It does not seem like you are the Predator. 
I'm just trying to think. 20th Century Fox. Isn't Predator Warner Brothers? No, I think I think 20th Century Fox did that. No, oh, well, Warner Brothers does have... I, they might have licensed those. I don't know. Well, because like, even like Mortal Kombat had... Mortal Kombat Predator. had that, but I don't know that it is owned by Warner Brothers. I just kind of assumed Mortal Kombat just just uses whatever Warner Brothers... Uh, entities. I mean, that I would see be because the I guess I, and simplest way. I would them, think but, so too. So I just kind of assumed all that stuff is all Warner Brothers, but I guess I don't know. Uh, Google says 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox. Okay, so then, huh? Yeah, I, that's that, weird. It that wasn't Mortal surprising. Kombat, though. You're right. Um, then they showed the Medieval remake. Right. It just came out very, like, the other day from a Best Buy pre-order thing that that is a $30 game. Okay. Uh, I didn't play the original Medieval no. outside of a demo disc. And when I was, like, 10, I thought mm -hmm. that demo was pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know about it now. Because it, it while it is, like, up it does not look that different yeah like it still looks like a weird like kind of top down almost like third person just like dumb action game right but I, cartoony yeah really cartoony i th i will still probably play it because oh. i am very curious but right i, I mean especially 30 dollars. like isn't that mm -hmm. i don't know i won't feel burned on it probably but right. it comes out october 25th um but it looks like a, a more like fun childish game right I, I definitely expected it to be like a full $60 release, though, so I think that's kind of interesting that it is $30, unless Best Buy just totally goofed up on their pre-order page. Well, I'm just trying to think, like, uh, Ratchet & Clank, I don't think, was a full $60. <clears throat> I think that was like 30 or 40 They all used to be. What? Every Ratchet & Clank. Game. No, I mean the remake or whatever. Oh, yeah, I think that was 40 I, yeah. yeah. So, like, it being in the 30-40 range doesn't shock me. No, it's... I just... I don't know. Because that was one of the things that they were like making a big deal out of. Like, oh, hey, right. we're breaking this medieval remake. How Do you think that's a short game? Probably. Yeah. I bet that it's like exactly the same as the first one, yeah, which yeah. I think is not that long. Like seven, eight hours, if that. Because I, I, when I played the Spiral remake, I was like, man, these games were short. Damn, yeah. I mean, I think I beat it in like three hours. The yeah, first but then one. you feel like when you're a kid playing those games, it's mm -hmm. like, this is my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pretty much beat that in one sitting, and I remember playing that a lot more as a kid, <laughs> so I don't know what happened. Yeah. I... Yeah. That game just seems weird. They showed the most of that, I think, yeah, in which, it. Which, I mean, that is theirs. Yeah. So I guess that... Yeah. And then they showed Away, colon, the Survival Series, which there was also very little info about this. Like, there was more gameplay, I feel like, than some of the other ones, but you play as, like, a weird little flying squirrel... And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be, like, the post-apocalypse or if it was just nature time. Uh, yeah. He, like, fought a crab <laughs> and something else. I don't know. You just play as a flying squirrel. It looks mm. pretty. Yeah. It is a Sony Worldwide Studios release, so, like, some first-party developer is working on it. I, sure, that's all I had. See, like, that's one of the things that I think they could work on more. Mm. It's, like, when Nintendo shows you a game in a Nintendo Direct... 
there is at least, like, context for, like, yo, what the fuck is this? Or, like, do I even know what type of game it is? Like, take, for example, when they showed Astral Chain, okay? Mm-hmm. Anime nonsense garbage. But the fact that they told you it was being developed by Platinum, and you right. could tell it was an action RPG, like, you know what it is. I don't know what this <laughs> is. Yeah, I mean, they just need awkward conversation. They don't even people. need awkward conversation. No, they, they need it, to just be, like... They need to copy Nintendo. <laughs> And just have two people awkwardly talking and making jokes that are just not funny. But, like, in the actual Nintendo Directs, they don't even do that. Like, it is just, like, the dude is like, and here's Astral Chain. And then you see the thing. Right. So, I don't know. They They could use more people talking. Yes. But the one that did not need any talking was the Final Fantasy VII Remake trailer. And, boy... They're going to show this bitch at E3, and I am pretty ready because I have had numerous conversations with people who already seem kind of upset. (laughs) Over what? So, this is my thing, and I said this forever. Anyone who thought this was going to be a straight remake of the original Final Fantasy VII was wrong. Right. 100%. Because there is a bunch of goofy-ass shit in Final Fantasy VII. There's a snowboarding minigame. The scene where Cloud has to cross-dress to get into the Mm -hmm. weird bar. So many things that will not be in this game. I bet you that Cloud will not shred on a snowboard in this product. And it will be so self-serious that it will be insane. Yeah, um... Is that why people are upset because they're making so that the is, formula? That, no, what I have seen people being is like, oh, this looks cool. Mm-hmm. It is not turn-based combat, which, spoilers, it, that was already shown in the last thing. Right. But it also doesn't look like the half-strategy combat that it was in the last thing. It looks like straight-action combat. You can see in the video the guy mashing triangle. Yeah. You can see the button prompt. So, like, I think that people are worried that it's going to be, like, closer to Kingdom Hearts gameplay, which is, like, that's not what people remember of that. Mm -hmm. I knew that was not going to be that way, and, like, I'll take that. Um, And the fact that they still said it's going to be multiple releases... Saw people being kind of upset about that, but I also Which saw, they said that up front. They did, but I thought that since they had not said it again, that they were going to try to be like, "Oh no, J.K." But they did not. No, no they, they, it was like they didn't say it in this. It was like the day after someone asked Square Enix PR, and they were like, oh. "This is gonna, this is gonna take like ten years, and then it'll be like a twenty-hour game." Which I mean, the original <coughs> Final Fantasy is pretty long. Final Fantasy VII is like eight hundred hours long, especially if you do all the side quests and stuff. Um, So that's a big question, like, how are they going to split it up? And so one of the other things that I saw people getting upset about is, the original Final Fantasy VII was translated by one man in two weeks. Oh, boy. So a lot of the things that people remember about the U.S. version were, like, accidental mistranslations or, like, weird things like spoilers in case anyone hasn't played final fantasy 7 the famous eris death scene mm-hmm. that is like super mistranslated and loses all of its emotional impact in the u.s version um so it might have some emotional impact mm-hmm. but one of the things is barrett the large african-american man is translated in the u.s version like a stereotype oh yeah he is not in the japanese version mm. so people definitely thought they were gonna fix that 
yo, I heard the English voice. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doubling down on that. <laughs> they're doubling down on that. So people seem to be kind of upset about that. I wonder if they'll actually backpedal that a little bit because of the negative reaction that I saw to that. I don't know. But that's weird because, like, that's something that people will remember from Final Fantasy VII here. Right. But that's not what that shit was like in the Japanese version. So I find that to be interesting that they would go that route. And I saw people translating the Japanese dialogue, and he is closer to the Japanese original. Mm. So it seems like they're just going by region, which I find to be kind of See, cool. this kind of becomes this weird thing of what do you want out of a remake? Do you See, want something a little different? Or do you I want don't. the exact same I, thing? Because I am not as in love with Final Fantasy VII as everyone right. else. I wanted exactly the same thing but with better graphics like i didn't even want them to change the script mm. because then you could all see what the hell was happening back then but i think i think i will like this game right. and I, I think most people will like this game i just think that them finally showing more of this now people will know exactly what it is right or closer to what it is um so I think people's expectations will now be centered around this trailer mm -hmm. where there are voices and they show some gameplay. I hope that at E3 it is a live gameplay demo because I just, I'm curious because you see the UI on the screen yeah, and which is... some of it doesn't make sense. Which so, you never see UI on the screen like that. No, and... usually never in trailers like that. So it was kind of bizarre. Right. Um, but definitely there was, it was like attack for triangle and like circle or square was like break or something. There were two attacks, like square yeah. and triangle, I thought. And so I'm, I'm just, I, I personally just want to know how it plays. Mm -hmm. I also, yo, I think they're going to try to put that out this year. And I, oh my God. I, hmm. See, I my biggest quote unquote concern, like I really don't care. Oh, I care. Is how the pacing is going to be. Oh, so bad. So okay, I personally think that there is a breaking point near the, I could say the beginning because it's technically before the end of the first disc in Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. Like just the part where they're in Midgar, and then they go to the outside world and realize that not everything is like that. I think that is a good breaking point. I don't know how they will split it up yeah, into yeah. three games, personally. It, I don't think they've ever announced how many games. It could be more than three. It's going to be three. I am, <laughs> Yeah, I'm convinced it's going to be three. It, it, it's most it likely could be Because be I think they're going to do the dumb thing and just have it be each disc, mm. which is a mistake, because some of those breaking points are not like, ooh, this was a story breaking right. point. It's like, oh, fuck, the disc is out of space type thing. So, I don't know. I'm yeah. just... I think it's fascinating that fans wore them down over the course of, like, a decade into finally remaking this thing. And, like... That, what, and how long is the next one going to take to come that's, out? That's... Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> I, I had a really in-depth conversation with Scott about this last night. Um, and, like, I think that they should try to target every year. Each year. I do not think that that will happen and no. i think that they will it'll be like two three current years. episodic games where they royally fuck up the pacing mm -hmm. uh because like even just looking at it graphically like it looks very good right? right so i i just the whole concept of it is crazy 
And I wonder, I just, I'm very curious, as someone who is not as in love with Final Fantasy VII as everyone else is, like, I think it is a good game, and it was important at the time, and it is interesting to go back to. There are good characters and stuff. But this is not going to be the same thing. No. And they're incorporating all their weird retcon bullshit from all the spinoff games into this. So I just, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really weird. Yeah. So I, I can't wait for E3 now mm-hmm. that they're going to have to show that. Cause it, you know that's going to be Square Enix's big thing. It is. Because that's all they got. Square Enix is a very strange uh, company. Because I feel like it's the tale of two different, of the two different uh like regions yeah it's like the eastern can do whatever they want and spend however much money and then the west is like you got to support the east yeah and and then they set these like crazy expectations that never hit like tomb raider and stuff (laughs) well that's what i think is even more crazy is like the enix portion of it like barely exists anymore right because they let hitman go Mm -hmm. tomb raider was not quote unquote performing up to expectations and that trilogy's over. Right. So they don't have that much left on that front. Well, I guess, and they just had Just Cause. Just Cause, okay, yeah. Uh, that was December. The, the Quiet Man, obviously, is going to become a pillar going forward. Uh, I, yeah, like, I, they don't have much from Western developers anymore, but they also have put out. Not a lot from the east either, right? So, which I mean, they did just have um, Kingdom Hearts. They did, and that sold a butt ton. Mm-hmm. And they should, in theory, talk about the DLC at E3 because they announced it at their weird Kingdom Hearts concert tour. Mm-hmm. I think we said that last week, but they just said like words, right. like they don't mean anything. You got to show me what the actually is. Because as much as I would like to pretend, I do not know the difference between a scenario and a DLC episode. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> whatever, man. Yeah, I. So that that was cool, mm-hmm. and like that was a huge thing for Sony to show at their state of play. State yeah. of play, and that that's cool for everyone, I think. Mm-hmm. But now I have so many more questions about so many of these things. Yeah. And since Sony themselves is not going to be at E3, yeah, I don't know. Do you think Medieval is going to be really their only thing else getting released this year? Mm, If The Last of Us... The Last of Us, I I thought he just tweeted out that they're just finishing up stuff. I saw, I don't know. Like, I feel like they would announce... I... I don't think that The Last of Us is going to come out this year anymore. No, I don't either. But I think they think that. I think they want people to think that. Right, I think they want people to think that. Well, because if that doesn't come out, then they have nothing else that's like first party for the rest of the year. Oh, Crash Team Racing comes out in June. That's not first party. Oh, you're right. It's Activision. So all they have left is Medieval because they just released Days Gone. Yeah, and like I don't think Ghost of Tsushima will come out this year. I don't think Days Gone will come out this or not Days Gone. Uh, Death Stranding. Death Stranding is not coming out till like twenty twenty one. So I yeah I like they don't have that much. I they mm. are one hundred percent like all on board the next gen train right. at this point. So which speaking of next gen train, the Final Fantasy, the save will have to go from will have to transfer over from next gen. In theory. 
Unless they just release them all on PS4 and they're just like, F off PS3 or PS5. I mean, I think that they will have them on PS4 and PS5. So, But the save would have to transfer over. That would have to. Well, it's backwards compatible anyways, so it doesn't matter. Right, right. So, so it would transfer over regardless, because mm-hmm. you could just use the cloud save system right. for PlayStation Plus or whatever. So... God, what if you have to have PlayStation Plus for your save to transfer over? That'd be sick. <laughs> I don't think it will. It'll probably be... I think the PS5 will be pretty much the same infrastructure. Yeah. Just better hardware type of thing. But. Um, and so that's all for this PlayStation State of Play. But Ubisoft said that the Ghost Recon Wildlands sequel, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, is coming out. Well, it's, I guess it is kind of a sequel... I guess it is a sequel, yeah. It is, because it's still the Ghost Recon squad. Right. Which, the interesting thing is, the ghost. this is the first Ghost Recon that's not set in an actual location. Uh-huh, because I think they did such a disservice to Bolivia in the mm-hmm. last game that they were like, what if this was fictional right. now? Uh, this was surprising to, I think, literally no one, as with most Ubisoft announcements, uh, because they... We talked about this a bit before the podcast, but the actor that plays the Punisher mm-hmm. in the Marvel uh, TV show on Netflix, they, like, did some Ghost Recon Wildlands mission, like, a week or two ago where he was in it, then he, like, betrays the team or whatever, and it was seemed like it was supposed to be a setup for the next game, and then it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's... It, I played Wildlands, and I really liked it. It was just a case of a game being way too long and repetitive. So I played it for about 30 hours and then I just was about halfway through the map and I just went, I can't do this for another 30 yeah. hours. But I do remember having a lot of fun with it. It was fun to just play with the the AI and just kind of set stuff up and just kind of... But this time, there is going to be no AI. It's either you play with a, a, a squad or well, you play by yourself. No, so the AI squad is drones. Yes. <laughs> Which I think it's going to be one drone. I don't know. I don't know because be the whole thing about Wildlands was you would like set up the like team kills or whatever. Yes, yes. So you like do that with your drone. Yeah, and, but I don't know if it's going to be like because before you could have four kills total. Yeah, you yeah. you and your three, and I don't know if it's going to be four drones or just one drone. So then it's me and my drone squad. Yeah. That'd be sick. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. It'll, no, I. <laughs> it'll be a lot less like terrible banter that the the game had. Hey, fuckstick is one of my favorite lines from the <laughs> from the game. Yeah, I don't know. That game is like the exact kind of thing that I personally just, just don't. Can't do. I don't. I don't want it. Yeah, but people really liked Wildlands, which I thought was crazy, because when it came out, yeah, everyone was like, "This is okay. I don't want to do this." But then there were people who were like, "No." Wildlands is the sickest shit you've ever played in your life. I play it every day, and I was like, what's happening? I Maybe, like, I think for the very specific group of people, like, it ended up being a great co-op game. I guess. I Yeah, that's just so outside of my mm-hmm. wheelhouse of things that I want to do. I'm glad that they're making another one, because, mm-hmm. sure, Ubisoft right. open world games, you know. They don't have enough of them. No, there's never enough. <laughs> They keep cranking them out. So I guess this isn't in this order, but we'll just go to the next mm-hmm. Ubisoft thing in that the cr- the, creative, the director. creative director of the new Splinter Cell game, 
Well, like, or is, what is he the creative director of before that? Uh, I think The Division? Let's, I link the tweet here. Okay. Uh, he is the creative director of... Of The Division 2. Okay. Yes. He, like, literally tweeted out that, like... We can, we can uh, quote the exact tweet. Working on the next Splinter Cell with Dan Hanen and Roman, just people. Can't wait for E3. Crossover with Crew 2. And only missing Ghost Recon, Rainbow Six game, but they're on their way. And then, so basically, he's announcing. He basically Splinter Cell. he was just like, "Hey, what's up? It's me, the creative director of the Division Two. We're making a Splinter, a new Splinter Cell game." So this, I don't understand. I don't understand. Because we have talked at length right. about how Ubisoft is like the leakiest ship on the planet, but right, normally right. it is like someone telling a news outlet, not the dude just being like, just hey, what's up? It. Fucking, this is, it's Thursday afternoon. Here's my tweet about how I'm fucking making the new goddamn Splinter Cell game. Did you see his follow-up tweet? No. How do you how do you delete a tweet asking for a friend? <laughs> okay, please don't re- retweet. I may be in trouble. <laughs> And so Ubisoft's official response was, Julian was obviously joking, as Julian likes to do. It looks like our creative directors are having fun right now. We do not have any announcements to make at this time. And so, like, this is another case of... Everyone knew this game existed before, okay? Because the main thing is, Michael Ironside's voices... Uh, what the fuck is his name? Sam Fisher mm-hmm. in the Splinter Cell games. It has for a long time, okay? He didn't for the last one. He didn't for the think. last one, but they got Michael Ironside's back, back. to be Sam Fisher in mm-hmm. Ghost Recon Wildlands for a mission similar to the one they just put out to announce their sequel. Right. And so everybody thought at that time... Which, that was last summer. It was. Everyone thought they were going to announce it then, right? That they were going to announce a new Splinter Cell game, but... I am under the impression that something was not ready mm-hmm. or something went wrong, so they did not. But you don't fucking hire Michael Ironsides to. I don't. They usually like to announce games and then it's pretty much out. I feel like if they just brought in Michael Ironside, it was probably still early. Well, on. no, but I, I'm saying there's no way that they just got oh, Michael yeah. Ironsides to voice like five lines of dialogue for this fucking throwaway yeah, yeah, DLC yeah, yeah. mission. They were making a Splinter Cell game then. Like, mm-hmm. it was obvious. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that the creative director of it would just be like, what's up, Splinter Cell? <laughs> yeah, that's just shocking. And then their response of like, don't listen to him. Don't it's listen to him. He's such a prankster, this guy. <laughs> Who the fuck tweets that out? <laughs> like, I, you, don't yeah. acci- you don't accidentally tweet no, something, no. especially like that. Yeah. Like, you can't fire the creative director of your game, because otherwise he probably would be canned by now. Yeah, yeah. I, that seems... He definitely got reprimanded. Fucking bizarre. I would, if I were Ubisoft, I would just take away his Twitter. Be like, what the fuck? <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. I don't know if maybe he was just like, I'm sick of us playing games. I'm going to announce this myself and just... Like, that's like the kind of thing... Uh, it was... Nether Realm. Did you read all that stuff about how they are like horribly abused at that studio and stuff? Mm-hmm. Okay, well there was the one that was really fucked up where they like after the news of the game leaked at Combo Breaker a couple years ago or whatever, they like locked them all in a room and just like screamed at them about how they lost them millions of dollars in marketing. 
Right here, man. Prime example, except this isn't just an associate that works at the studio. It is the dude that is essentially one of the people in charge of making the fucking game. In, in fairness with Ubisoft, are they losing anything from this? Well, no, because they didn't advertise it at all yet. They didn't but advertise just... it. They haven't even announced it. And now it has... So, like, I wonder, because you always hear developers talking about how, like... I, before we announce a game, I'm so nervous mm -hmm. that no one is going to be excited for it or no one actually wants it. So when leaks get out there and people are excited, they're like, oh, thank God, like this reaffirms what I'm working mm -hmm. on. Like, was this guy just like, yo, we need a morale boost. Who's ready for Splinter Cell, boy? <laughs> or maybe it just wasn't coming together and like they were like threatening to can it. And then he was just like, I'm going to tweet this out. Fire up the internet and then prove that the internet wants this. See, but I don't, I don't even believe that it's possible for a Splinter Cell game to not come together because, like, it's not. Will, it's just a fucking third-person stealth game. Well, that's kind of what they I'm could wondering. copy the template of the last game, and people would still be like, "Oh, who's ready?" Sam Fisher. How are they going to turn that into like an open world, though? Oh, wasn't the last one? I think the last one was. Or uh, I think the last one was where you, like, go back to your weird jet harrier after every mission. I don't know. And, like, live there. But it's gonna be an But they world. they had already reinvented Splinter Cell once. Right. With the 360 I just think it's, of it. Right. So I think they could do it again. I just I just think it's gonna be harder to, to turn, like, it into a complete open world. I don't think it needs to be. I mean, I think they should go back. I think they should revert back to what the original Splinter Cell was like. But it's Ubisoft. I know. I'm they just make saying, one kind of game. Look, the original Splinter Cell was sick, and name, I was on board. Uh, other than like Just Dance, name a Ubisoft game that hasn't been open world in the last pretty much this Mario entire... and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Okay, but that was kind of an open world. It, to get to the mission, whatever it was, a and strategy it, game, right? Yes, but okay. Uh. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's... I can't think of another one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I... Uh, we'll sort of transition to the next thing now, but I was not as excited about E3 this year because I was like, oh, no one's really going to be showing anything. And now it is kind of weird because a lot of things are just, like, being announced. Like, why would Ubisoft announce all these things? But they're not announcing Watch Dogs, even though we already know that that's coming. As I said, last time they... That was... Last E3, their big announcement was the Odyssey... Yeah, and that was their last thing that they showed. <clears throat> I guess I so I'm I, I, excited for Watch Dogs regardless, but I there are I would I can't wait to see if they talk about Beyond Good and Evil two again because mm -hmm. we were talking about all their things are open world now. That's like ridiculously open world. I that one I'm kind of curious. To I'm see curious how. because that game was not going to be made, and then I don't know what the fuck magic occurred, and they were like, I guess we'll try to make mm -hmm. this now, and it still seems like it's not coming together for them at all. So yeah, because did you play the first one? Uh, it's like I know, but it's just Zelda with a camera. Mm. Oh, okay. so, so like it literally is just like Ocarina of Time oh, okay. style video game with like puzzles and stuff. Mm. But then you have a camera. the The sequel is not that. It is like Probably. an open world space travel game, right? But then I, the people who were like playing that weird like beta release were like, this like isn't even a thing. Like this isn't any, like there is no cohesion to any of this like it seems like it's barely a game so I, i'm curious to see if they talk mm -hmm. about that yeah i mean it looked graphically it looked graphically it looked cool yeah uh, yeah i just don't know what it's gonna be right 
Um, so that leads into two things. Nintendo's E3 Direct thing will be on June 11th, which... Is Tuesday? It is Tuesday, which makes sense. They're usually at 9 a.m. on mm-hmm. that Tuesday of E3. Um, but the one that surprised me was the Kind of Funny Games showcase. Right. Uh, where the Kind of Funny Games, Greg Miller and his crew, uh, they did something like this. Uh, right? I, it was like it was uh, December, because it was right around when the PlayStation Experience would have been, where right. they kind of gave an hour-long spotlight to a bunch of indie games, said things were coming out right then, and like other mm-hmm. g- basically gave a spotlight to smaller games that wouldn't have been showcased otherwise. And so he's doing that again uh, on June 10th, which is the right. first day of E3. So now it's like... Uh, is it the first day? Well... I consider it to be the first day. Because, like, Saturday, or Sunday is going to be when well, but Bethesda... Actual and... E3, I right. think Monday is still day zero. I think the okay. show opens on Tuesday, as usual. Right, they usually have the press conferences before. The day before, yeah. So, I mean, like, for regular people who are not there, technically it begins Saturday now, if you want to get spicy and talk about EA's dumbass thing they're doing, but... Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. I don't uh so yeah sunday for like actual press conferences if you're gonna watch them and then uh right i'm it's bethesda microsoft <clears throat> and then like pc gamer i think or something like that and then devolver announced their thing again as well right so it's like there are a lot of smaller things and i, I it's cool that there mm-hmm. will be a lot like devolver always shows like really crazy shit i mean i played katana zero mm-hmm. anything that devolver is going to publish i will be on board with probably right. Uh, so I'm just I'm there will be a lot of smaller things shown like indie type stuff at like Devolver yes. and the PC Gamer show and with the kind of funny games thing. So like that's cool mm-hmm. because well uh, Xbox had a decent amount of indies. no and I Xbox will have to be the most lit press conference yes. of all time. Like they have been given a gift by <laughs> Sony. <laughs> Right, and I I hope they use it in a way that is super cool. Yeah, I, I, it's Xbox, Bethesda, those two. Yeah. Then the next day is Ubisoft, and then it's kind of funny, and then it's Square Enix, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And then the next day is Nintendo. Yeah. So I that's cool. Mm-hmm. I boy, Nintendo's thing. Oh, it's gonna be so sick! I can't wait. It's going to be a blowout of all the shit that I want to see. Because there are so many things that they have coming out in the fall. Right. That it's going to be like, I don't know. My brain might not be able to take it. When they give us the release date for Pokemon, even though we already know it's going to be in November. When they give us a release date for Animal Crossing. Or when they say they're not going to have it come out this year. And then the internet actually explodes. (laughs) Just, I feel like they have plenty of things coming out this year they can afford to not have animal they crossing they can't okay they can, can no longer they, they it's illegal because they they fucked with people so bad and then finally said that game was coming out and that it was coming out this year oh that's right that they is one that. thing i would not cross animal crossing fans <laughs> on that one i would not do it God, because i was there like i i the Twitter mm. meltdown was brewing during that Smash Brothers thing when they actually announced Animal Crossing after the fact. Like, when they pretended like they were announcing Animal Crossing and they were showing us just Isabelle and Smash, people were like, <laughs> they were ready. They were tweeting up, they were ready, going ham, and then they were like, no, just kidding, Animal Crossing's come out too, please don't kill us. They were, like, it saved them there. If at E3 they're like, 
you're all looking forward to Animal Crossing. Mm. Not this year. It will be an explosion of epic proportions that no one can possibly prepare for. Uh, I forgot that they said it was definitely coming out this year. I would. I don't s- think that Luigi's Mansion will. I stand by that one because they have shown nothing. Mm. And they like tried to be like, uh, uh, the end of the year. I don't think that's going to happen. But... Yeah. They've been showing a lot of Ultimate Alliance. For because it's Game Informer's cover story. Right. And boy, I'm on board with that shit. Oh yeah. This is so oh my god. That first game is so sick. The second one, not as sick. Who do you think you like of all the people announced so far, who like are you excited to try? Uh it depends on what they actually play like. Mm. Uh Miles Morales seems cool. Miles Morales looks really cool because he's got the electrified webs. Yeah, yeah. Uh I don't, probably like Crystal and Lockjaw mm. because a teleporting dog is sick. Even though they said you don't fight with Lockjaw, he is like your save point guy. Oh, that shit's stupid. He's a dog with a oh, he teleports. Um, I don't know. I would probably like Wolverine. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Nightcrawler was announced, so oh, yeah. I will probably play Nightcrawler. And then when you play, as, oh, they brought back the crew bonuses. So like when it's four X Men people, you mm-hmm. get the sick stab buffs very exciting this is this is sort of unrelated but in that seven minutes of uncut gameplay that they let game informer put up right i was watching it and i was like this does not look like ultimate alliance it literally just looks like dynasty warriors and then he said in the video that they wouldn't allow them to have the video with the ui and the health bars on Mm -hmm. so it just made it look like a really bad dynasty warriors game and then later in the character-specific videos, they show them killing enemies and they're not dying in one hit. Uh, that seems like a bizarre yeah. choice on their part because people saw that gameplay and were like, this looks like shit. And then they put out the character trailers and people were like, mm-hmm. oh, why does this look so much better? It was like, what? why would you make that choice? I, Especially because there mm. is UI in some of the video and yeah, screenshots yeah. they've put out. Like it's not like we don't know what it looks like. Yeah, that's weird. But how do you think we'll end up playing it on one TV or undocked and just next to each other? We could do that either way. I'm because like from, from what I understand, I'm like, down to play that game always. You can play that kind of like more like a traditional action third person. Yeah, undocked, they, they like, said that they the really camera. like the cinematic camera. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's fucking called. Yeah, yeah. It's Hero Vision or something. I, I'm so used to playing those games where you're all on the same screen. Right. Because I like I started playing those games when they were X-Men Legends and shit. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll play it anyway. Mm-hmm. Whatever is better. Also, if you have a save and I have a save, you know, yeah. then we may have to do it that way. I yeah. don't know. We'll figure that out. Which, that's coming out soon. July 19th. Very exciting. Hopefully we can just kind of milk Mass Effect until then. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> um, so yeah, E3 is looking to be cooler than I thought it was. I still think it's going away. But uh, Yeah. If you if Kind of Funny comes in and then like Sony comes back next year, you really think it's still going to be... On its way out? I Sony's testing out the state of play, man. I think they're gearing up to pull full Nintendo. Maybe. So, we'll see how it goes. Um, or maybe just Sony doesn't have enough to announce. I think that's probably true, yeah. I don't think they have anything to announce, really. But. 
Because could you imagine in like medieval was their big thing at E3? <sighs> no, I can't. So like maybe maybe that's their issue. Uh, but yeah, to move on to oh yeah, I, I wrote this down. The the game workers like union, which is I think like a European French thing. They they're asking for uh, testimonies from Quantic Dream, the um, Detroit Become Human, uh, Heavy Rain people. About they're just like <clears throat> basically this game workers union is talking to employees about harassment, which this has been talked about. This has been an ongoing thing for a very long time, right? Uh, which it David was, Cage is a giant tool. Yes, which this was reported by a French. <clears throat> it was yeah, that news. was there was a French newspaper, and then he like David Cage went went buck wild about it and said they were like false reporting on Mm -hmm. stuff that they had sources for right (laughs) and a bunch of other things uh so now the the government is looking into it which is probably not good for them (laughs) no i i yeah i don't know and Mm -hmm. it's interesting that this is a game workers union thing trying to protect these game workers right because that really needs to happen in the U.S., especially with, like, every week now. Like, generally, I don't even add it to the podcast list anymore because it's just, like, so depressing. I mean, I guess it's something that we should talk about because it is happening all the time. But, like, right. in the past couple weeks, there was just incriminating stories about NetherRealm and Mortal Kombat, uh, Epic and Fortnite, fucking Respawn and Apex. Like, that one, not as much, but it was basically kind of the opposite where they said they weren't going to work people like epic was Mm -hmm. and then people are trashing on their game for not having enough content type stuff uh there were like three other ones in recent memory that were just like hey really heinous crunch and like oh right the walkouts at riot right because they were uh There was, like, the sexual harassment stuff that was going on and a bunch of other weird stuff, and then they tried to settle it in private litigation, and then they said that they were moving away from that, but all of the ones that were currently in litigation would stay that way, Mm -hmm. and people were like, fuck nah, dude, like, you can't private arbitration, this is bullshit, you said you were getting rid of this, it's it's bad all around, man, it's fucking rough. Yeah, crunches, which we'll talk about it more in the God of War. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes you like you watch this stuff, and it makes you like wonder, like, is it worth it? Yeah, like, is it worth the human cost? And that—that that is the thing that I always think about. Is I wouldn't care if a game took an extra year to come out, mm-hmm. and like the people that were working on it were like given regular human hours and right. could like see their families, or just even like. You could do more with that time. If you're mm-hmm. if your brain isn't being constantly stressed out all the time, you're gonna be more efficient and like more effective. I I don't it, know, but the way the industry is, like it doesn't allow for people to do that. But like, I'd hate to keep bringing back the God of War. Some of those people worked on it for five years. I know. I mean, could you imagine that spread out to even seven? And it seems no. like Corey Barlog <laughs> seems like the type. It doesn't matter if he's home. He's going to be thinking and working on the game. So, like, I don't... It, and I think it, Like, it depends common. on the person, too. Yeah. I, like, the Rockstar one from last year mm-hmm. where... Even if there wasn't anything to do in the studio, if the Hauser brothers were there on the weekend, you were expected to be there on the weekend, even if you just had mm-hmm. to like sit in your office and jerk off. Like 
it just is like it's right. crazy and it comes out from all these developers but a lot of these stories are coming out in like bizarre ass ways right. now like the nether realm one was like someone tweeting about it and then a bunch of people who had worked there tweeted about it and then contractors for them started tweeting about it and it's like if you're not full-time you're treated like absolute dog shit mm. they take your ideas for the fatalities and stuff and they like don't even give you credit like it's just yeah it, it's i don't know man and that's why every time one of these things happens the game workers union thing that i can't think of the name of that scott benson mm-hmm. uh the guy who made uh night in the woods is pushing for like they're always like yeah man let's fucking rock and roll yeah fuck yeah it's i didn't see now i can't remember the other studio recently started doing some weird anti-union thing and it was just like jesus christ so many so yeah many and, and you have to assume they all do it oh i would guess so yeah i mean i know insomniac they said they don't believe in crunch anymore but i don't know if i necessarily no believe I, that. I don't think that's true at all yeah and it does happen at all studios like you mm-hmm. even in like documentaries about studios that are like happy-go-lucky fun time like yeah, at yeah. double fine like they're in some of the one of their documentaries about broken age like one of them works themselves so hard that she gets like super sick right and is gone for like over a week and it it's tough to see that kind of stuff right and then like even uh no clips documentary right now about hades like they get super on edge about mm. really specific things and it's just like fuck and there's gotta be I don't know. Like, it's like armchair quarterbacking type thing. Yeah. But there's, there's got to be a better way and to the, not make it as horrifically depressing and rough for people. The other shitty thing is, in years past, <clears throat> a game would get released, and then they would just take two, three months off. And that does not happen now. No, because you have to be pay. You can patch it. You can fix it. You can do whatever. And you're expected to. You're expected to <laughs> fix it for sure. But then, like, then if you're not going right on to the next project, you're mm-hmm. doing DLC for that game. Yes, so yes. then it's more troubleshoot. Like, it just, it doesn't end. Right. Especially with, like, seeing that Hades documentary. Like, they did it in early access. Like, mm-hmm. they don't get to be like, oh, sick, it's out in early access, let's take a break. Like, now your game is still not technically out, but people have it already. Yes. And so that makes it even more insane. Like, that's why Fortnite seems like the shit that's going on there seems buck ass wild like they are basically running people into the ground mm-hmm. and then replacing them with a new person and running them into mm-hmm. the ground like fuck it it doesn't surprise me that like someone like cliffy b at 40 he <laughs> tweeted out that he's never doing working in video games ever again yeah but i mean that was because well, he also got fucked on multiple fronts with the games he was working on he, and like, yeah because like he made lawbreakers and then someone just went off on him tweeting like how horrible he person he is and stuff and he's like look i didn't get paid for two years i paid all my employees i took care of my employees and it just didn't come together this is why I, this is one of the reasons why i'm just never working on games again it, it, it does like he he but he started working on games at like 17 mm-hmm. i mean at 30 years old he was the creative director of god of war or gears of war but yeah just i yeah recently it's just been like fucking who, ridiculous why do people want to go into video games is uh, 
I would never. I can understand like indie studios where you can, but and at the like same, you do it and you're really passionate. But even then, like it's still it's it, your dime. It's then, your then money. it's your money and your time. So you're mm-hmm. probably worrying about it even more. Yes, which is why like I always feel bad with all these Kickstarters I back for these indie mm-hmm. games where the game is supposed to come out like four years ago. I still don't have it, but I'm not going to be that guy who's like tweeting and like, hey, you're one guy that works a full time job. Where the fuck is my game? Like, you, let him make it. Like, I understand understand that you have a life to lead and you are trying your fucking best but you don't you stole my money yeah i i did actually have a kickstarter steal my money once but Mm. that was because it was a fake game and i actually kotaku reported it i uh me and a bunch of other people emailed them and were like yo these people ghosted and then they did research into it and they like were not it wasn't a real thing wow so and I assume you don't get that money back or anything. No, Kickstarter very much does not give you that money back. Which is why now I definitely like make sure that they are like a real person like tweeting mm-hmm. and that exists and stuff like that. What was that was game? that was one of the first games on Kickstarter that I backed. It was called mm-hmm. Mansion Lord mm-hmm. and it was about like a weird murder mystery hotel where an actual murder happens and then you like it's like a simulation but also so you're like trying to run the hotel, but also trying to solve the mystery mm. of the thing. It looked really cool as a concept, not a real concept. Well, early on in, as well, I remember one. There was like some fencing or sword play, and then like they they got the money, and then like two months later, they're like, "We don't know how to make this," and then they just shut it down. Yeah, stuff. So stuff like that doesn't happen as often as it used to. But no, I think, and I think part of it is just because you get legitimate developers who are known in the industry yeah which isn't always a good thing no i think in the future i will not back any kickstarters that have a large name attached to them (laughs) because there's probably a reason why they're not getting support from or bigger companies yeah fuck dude i mighty number nine was a huge burn but i am like pretty pretty confident that uh bloodstained is gonna be not good when it comes out in june and like fucking i don't think yu suzuki's gonna do a good job with shenmue Uh (laughs) like i'll give tim schaefer my personal benefit of the doubt because i know that i want what he is working on which and he's done kickstarter before and he's yes and they i've seen their extreme honesty like that broken age a documentary i think is available for everyone to watch on youtube like i highly recommend watching that because like you want to see what happens and like when you run out of money on your kickstarter and you have to ask for other funding and stuff like they go into that and it is Which, ooh, parts of that are hard to watch didn't they do like a 30 episode for one of the docu for one of the games i think that might be the way they split it up on youtube okay was for the broken age one they do oh, all, it is they, all broken age okay. they do all kinds of stuff too they like every mm. year when they do their day of the not day of the devs i can't think of what it's called they do mm. a thing where they basically for a week everyone in the studio does stops working on the project they're working on and has them pitch and make ideas and mm. teams and then they like make weird prototypes uh so they do a documentary for that every year which i buy um yeah because i knew like i've heard great things about that double fine and i looked into it and i was like this is too many episodes this is so like good. 30 hours like it's so sick it, it's it's just quite the investment oh to... yeah but it is like if you want to see what mm-hmm. happened to broken age like mm-hmm. and it's just a fuck it, it's just a point and click adventure game right? right right and everybody's like i could make a point and click adventure game and you're like oh no oh man 
Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things when you're like, I'm going to watch a documentary, and then you're like, oh, this is like 30 hours. Um, I'm going to do this when I'm mentally prepared to do this. Yeah. But I do know, like, I've heard, like, that's one of the best documentaries. It is very good. So. Two-player productions did a good job. But, yeah, the video game industry is rough sometimes. I don't... Yeah, but like I try to stay positive. So do I. But recently, when like every day there is some new developer that's like, "Hey, it sucks shit here mm-hmm. as well," and you're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, it's like oh, I don't want to pretend like this isn't true." And then it was even like, worse with Mortal Kombat because like it was like kind of broken mm-hmm. and people were like getting mad about it and that. Then it's like, well, now that I know that these people will be forced to stay there for longer to try to fix these issues, this is even more upsetting. And it's just, Ed Boon seems so cool, but then, like, maybe he's not. Yeah, and that's... uh That's that's depressing. Yeah, bad things happen. Yeah. But, and the games this year, for me personally, haven't been great, and just... Yeah. Speaking but, of more depressing things, Matt, the that new U.S. bill that is targeting uh, loot boxes and microtransactions, specifically pay-to-win ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is depressing. I, I think it is because I, it's depressing that the U.S. government has to get has involved. to step in and get involved. Uh, but this shit has been going on for like fifteen years. It has. Uh, loot boxes definitely became more prevalent a couple of years ago. See, like, I have the context of, like, the Ultimate Team. And that, yes, that's been going on forever. That's been going on for, the like, sports 15 Ultimate years. Team stuff is ridiculous. But, and like, that's now where... specifically, it, it it has come to a head. Like, every mm-hmm. fucking game that comes out is you level up and earn a loot box you get some random shit. There's no way to actually get the shit you want. Mm-hmm. Like, that happens in Apex. It happens in Fortnite. It happens in, like, any Overwatch, Overwatch any modern first-person shooter. Like, that is what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has been copying Overwatch, which, when that first came out, I was like, I don't really like the way this is set up. And a lot of people defended it because it's like, oh, you get one after every time you level up. But it's like... You could spend $50 on an outfit that you want or a skin, whatever you want to call it, and not get it. And I, I that's a bad, where it should just be $5. It is, but I also, I, I still, I guess I don't defend Overwatch as much. It's just I don't care mm-hmm. because I don't fucking see my character. The fact right. that I think Lucia looks cool, I know in my mind I've got that hot skin. Mm-hmm. And, like, I do like getting the skins in Overwatch, but if I don't get the one I'm, like, looking for, I'm not going to, like, end my own life. And if I really need mm-hmm. it, I have so many coins built up that right. I can just buy that one. But there is nothing that is impeding your enjoyment of the game. In theory, I right. know some people's mindsets are different, and they're like, mm-hmm. if I don't look like a weird snow leopard man, then I can't enjoy the game or whatever. So, I... Yeah, I don't know. Like, the mm-hmm. ones where it's just cosmetics. It's, like, the specifically the pay-to-win things, like, in, like, fucking every mobile gotcha game and stuff like that. It is heinous. Mm-hmm. And it is... People are trying to be like, it's not gambling. Fuck off, it's not gambling. I've, <laughs> I've fallen victim of the Ultimate Team stuff ten years ago. I've seen people go buck wild on mm-hmm. mobile games yeah, when right. they're like, well, the new unit's broken... Let's spend all this money. Oops, didn't get it. But I could if I spend some more money. And you're like, oh, this is a slippery slope, my man. Jumbo. Yeah. Our friend Jumbo. 
has had a pre- what was the game? It was uh, the Kingdom, King, Hearts? Kingdom Hearts Unchained Key. He, he uh, yeah, we watched him spend more money than he should have. He definitely he has quit that game now, and now I'm glad because the mobile game we play now, the barrier to spending money is very high mm-hmm. because it's a Japanese game. Right. So like we would have to like get like a fucking Japanese card off Amazon for some hilarious markup or whatever. So. He has had money spent on that game. He has. Uh, he because has. someone gifted him a card or something. It's like, that's how you start addictions, everybody. <laughs> but, <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's bad all, mm-hmm. around, all around for that kind of stuff. Right. So, the negative part is that it is, it's like a slippery slope. Right. When they get involved for this reason, then they could technically continue to be involved on all aspects of mm-hmm. like regulating how they're sold and like all kinds of other things. The ramifications are large yeah. in theory, but like there was a, another recent thing about loot boxes. There's like the Hawaii Senator or whatever mm-hmm. also brought that up at the, when battlefront two was blowing up. So I don't know if this is more. See, I don't, I know a lot of people are like anti DLC altogether. I I'm don't. Not. I don't. Like, if you want to spend a couple dollars on a skin, have at it. I just think it shouldn't just... It should just be you spend the money on whatever on skin. On the thing you want to get. Rather yeah. than just... And just get rid of loot boxes. And you'll still make plenty of money. You will, yeah. And you can support your... Support the... If you want to continue to support, you can do that. It's just... I do think just getting rid of the loot boxes and the pay to win, and I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it all pans mm-hmm. out, but because like some people, no. they want like all DLC and all that stuff just okay, gone. Well, that's and, stupid. And they're just living in some utopian worlds where. Yeah, I that that's another thing that really mm-hmm. gets me about people who yell about the video game industry is like, a lot of people seem to no matter what, if it is DLC, they believe it should have just been in the main game. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you mean like Monster Hunter Iceborne, where they developed this as like almost a completely separate mm-hmm. game? Like, f- what? Right. It's, it's a whole different team working yeah, on this yeah. fucking thing. Like, they wasn't... Right, and right. then if it had taken another two years to come out, you would have been like, what is this? So, come on. Come on. Right. Ugh. Of course, I mean, it is going to be from studio to studio. Yeah. I know Corey Barlog uh, has said that he doesn't believe in DLC. I believe in DLC. Can't wait for Monster Hunter. Which DLC. I mean, he. Which the only thing they did was they released the the new game plus, and that's that's all the DLC they did for, for God, God of War. War. Yeah, and that was free to everybody. Right. So. Which the, it was the same with um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, it was, and Spider Man. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man they did a bunch of other stuff too for free DLC I mean they had the paid DLC for Spider-Man but it was like the photo mode Mm -hmm. they added new stickers like of the puddle uh, and great things like that Mm -hmm. that you could put on the photos so so Sony I think that's some weird mandate that they have people do that kind of stuff but it also I mean it like refreshes interest in the game if people have already done everything you can go back and do more and it it is smart to wait like they usually wait a couple months and then they release this new game plus gotcha to get people to come back hook you back in and it's a good way to get it so people don't sell those games right back to used retailers and stuff like that so yeah yeah uh, and this story, I don't, I, Sony and Microsoft are collaborating on a cloud gaming thing. And that's all we know. That's it. <laughs> that, I hate this story. 
I read the article on, like, no less than six different websites, and none of them give you a fucking goddamn piece of information. And because like, there is none! And they're, and each one is, like, seven, eight paragraphs. I know! And it's like, <laughs> how many paragraphs can I read about you being like, yeah, well, we don't know fucking jack shit. <laughs> the only thing that anyone knows about this is that it is a collaboration between Sony and Microsoft, mm-hmm. and that it is basically cloud-based streaming for video games on Microsoft Azure, right. which is, like, their streaming service. I have questions about this myself, because, like, what does that mean? Because they don't mention PlayStation Now in there, mm-hmm. which is running on Sony's, like, Gaikai stuff. Like, are they just going to, like, fucking fire everybody at Gaikai and be like, we're on the Microsoft Azure train now? Are they... Moving those people over? Moving those people over to do something else? Are we well, no, just I mean to, trying to... Are they moving those people to the Microsoft Azure? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, I just... Nothing is clear other than this seems like a direct response to google stadia um i hate that notification by the way that this fucking horizon 4 drift pack will not install it pops up every 30 seconds i didn't buy the dlc for that of course you can't install it Mm -hmm. fucking computer but anyways it just there's nothing about this like it seems like it is a direct response to google stadia as a streaming service but it's weird to me because microsoft Phil Spencer's out there all the time being like, streaming is the future. I love streaming. Please stream me into the cloud. And they were going to do that regardless. Like, the next generation Xbox was going to have... It was going to happen. Sony had said nothing about that until this moment where it seems like they were like, oh, fuck, cloud gaming. Mm -hmm. It's the new big future time. I mean, they're aware of it. They have well, it. Well, yeah, you have to be aware of it, but I... Yeah, they have it, quote-unquote, <laughs> in a service that's not that great, but has apparently gotten better recently. So, what did we learn from this? Nothing. Other than that Sony will also be on the streaming train mm-hmm. in the future. That's it. And by a lot of accounts, the Google Stadia wasn't even, like, that amazing. So it, no. it, for it to be like a re, in response to that. Well, I think they gotta cover all of the bases. If the future of video gaming goes to streaming, Microsoft seemed like they were gonna get on that train regardless. Well, no, I mean like it doesn't seem like Google was that far ahead that the two were in like dire straits and they're like we gotta work together to to defeat Google. And no, it doesn't. I, I the whole thing is it's weird. very strange. Like when I first read it, I was like, this is a fake article. And then when I saw that everything else had reported it as well, some of it had to be true. Right. But I wonder if this is going to go the route of the fucking Nintendo, the Switch variations, where like mm. every 30 seconds there's some new information about how maybe they're not going to release it this year. And I'll, no, just kidding, they're going to release this one, mm. but not the, the... Just like, I don't need this ever-evolving story. I'm curious about this one. Mm-hmm. I just don't... I hate when articles are like some fucking crazy bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That it is eight paragraphs of nothing. Because sometimes it happens to me all the time. I'll look up, like, how do you do the specific thing? Or, like, I need an answer to this specific question. It's like 12 paragraphs of them being like, I don't really know. <laughs> and you're like, why is this an article? <laughs> Classic. But we do know Sony and Microsoft are working together on cloud gaming of some sort. I 
would like this to be that a Game Pass is coming to PS4. That would be sick. God. And the Switch? Oh, do good. I just feel like, what's the point of the Xbox? Oh, there isn't one. I've known that for a while. I mean, like, there's still a market. Like, I use my Xbox more than anything at this point. No, I know. But they also, but like, like their it's... whole Xbox, the Xbox, like, mantra recently has mm-hmm. been, like, you could play it on PC, though. Right. And it's like, that's a weird way to sell the Xbox, but I'm on board with you because I will play it on my PC. Because if they have it on PC, if you can play the games on Switch, if somehow you can play the games on PlayStation, then the Xbox does not need to exist. I'm with you. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on yeah, anymore. Yeah. We're living in a wild time. Uh, the next-gen consoles are weird, too, because it seems like... The half step that we took with the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X like totally shattered whatever the fuck my expectation of a next generation console is. So it's just a weird time. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see when they fully announce both of those things yeah. what it is. And if it's called the Xbox Two. Or is it called the Xbox One again? Are they going to do the like, Xbox? Because like... It was the PS3, and then they're like, we need to have a 3 in our name, so they did the 360. So then it's going to be the PS5. What if they're like the Xbox? But it's, they didn't, 500. so they never said it was going to be called the PS5. Come on. Listen, come on. Apparently, it wasn't going to be called the PS4. That was like a last second thing where they were like, I guess, I don't know. So I still am a firm believer here now with all of you. That it should be called the PlayStation and the Xbox. And then you look at the year and you're like, oh, this is the PlayStation that came out in 2016. Mm. Right? So then they can do the half-step thing and it doesn't matter. And you know what year it came out in. So it's then it's like the iPad. So it's like you know that it works mm-hmm. on the model of iPad that came out this year to this year. I think that adds confusion because even the iPhones go up. No one is confused about the iPhone. That's where I am with on this thing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it keeps it simpler. Like, it, it, it although they did release the 8 and the 10 at the same time. Oh, you mean, weird. like, also when the iPad was called the new iPad? And yeah, I just I, think it, because, like, even phones, like, are, like, we both have Motorola's and they, yeah. they count up. They don't call it the Motorola. Well, there are many different Motorola phones. That's, That's why there are not many different PlayStations. I, I there would be one a year, and it would be the PlayStation. My only argument for that is if they did that, it would have to be completely backwards compatible. And then it's like and the it would, PlayStation... It will have to be now, because they already did that. I'm counting PS3, PS2, Oh, no, PS1. there's no way that's happened. That's impossible. Because then it would be the PlayStation. It's all of it. No, that's impossible. They can't do that. No, they can't it's do that. It's going forward. They, they can do future, that. Future proof. They can't do the PS3. It's Otherwise, keep it PS5 and just keep it simple. Everyone who wants the PS3 to be backwards compatible going forwards should be ready to pay like $1,000 for that bitch. Because that's the only way that's happening. Um, cloud? Yeah, the cloud. <laughs> we'll run the PS3 in the cloud. That worked so well for Crackdown. It's working now. Is it? It's 
ish. You can't even emulate a PS3 on a PC because mm. it would like fucking. You would need a supercomputer at this point to emulate the fucking hey, chip. They fucked it up. They have to figure out the problem. They're not. Fig- that's never happening. I'm just saying it they was gonna. Do... It should have been called the Xbox. What the fuck is the Xbox One? They could do PS1, PS2, and PS4. What the fuck? They could, mm-hmm. but they're gonna sell you the PS2 classics for ten bucks a pop, and the PS1 classics for ten bucks a pop. That's seven bucks. Whatever the fuck they were. Oh, you're talking. I thought. Okay, I thought you were talking about another one of those. Devices. No, the, the, whatever the hell they call them on the PlayStation Four. Well, they didn't even. They have hardly any games on there. I look, man. They're I'm, Sony's forward thinking. They can do it. The past is the past. No one actually wants to play a PS3 game. And anymore. I would make that argument that the Xbox could do it, the Xbox, and then it's all of it. And it should have been that before. And because they actually have that. The Xbox One they is just, pretty much all, all all backwards compatible. It is now. It should have been called the Xbox before. That really pissed me off. But it's one because it's all in one. I know. Which now it's not anymore because they removed the TV functionality from the newer ones. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. It's just weird. The last thing we have on here, Mario Maker 2. Oh, yeah, you, you must have just... I did, because I watched the Nintendo Direct about Mario Maker 2. Originally, I was like, I am moderately excited for Mario Maker 2. It's just going to be the same thing, but with some more slopes. Mm-hmm. It looks so sick. I cannot wait for this game. Like, it is... I tweeted this. It is the prime example of how you take a good concept and make it so much better by just, like, blowing it out in a huge way. Oh, yeah, you tweeted that, right? Yeah, there is... I was going to say, I I swear you wrote that somewhere. There is... There is a story mode, so, like, you go through a hundred pre-made levels that Nintendo made. Which they did that last time, right? That was only in the 3DS version. I thought they had a hundred. They had more. they had some like it was only in like a tutorial that there were a couple levels. In oh, Mario okay. Maker. I thought so. The hundred mode was just random, one hundred. Yeah, random yeah. People. Random hundred levels. Oh, I thought that was all part of Nintendo's. No. Nah. So there, there is like a real thing, and you can like uh, unlock new stages, do all kinds of crazy bullshit. Uh, and then they were like showing the new stage parts. That shit is so cool. Because before, people were like, yo, where's the angry sun? And now there is the angry sun. You can put him in there, but you can put a moon there. Mm -hmm. And when it's nighttime in the level, it completely changes the level. So, like, if you put the moon in the... there Now there's desert stages. There's a sandstorm if it's at night. Or, like, in certain things, the water will become poison. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you can do so much more. There's just... Everything is awesome. There's so much more to this game. Sharing things is easier. It's better. You can play four-player co-op. You can build co-op levels. It was just, they were like, what did people like about Mario Maker? All right, but now... I liked watching Patrick Klepek play the game. Everything else. I can't wait <laughs> for Patrick to play Mario Maker 2. June 28th. Everybody get ready. It, that, that was my favorite thing about Mario Maker. I don't give a fuck about making levels in Mario Maker, <laughs> but... You can now tag them with what they are, so you can also dislike levels. Some people were upset that you can dislike levels. 
That's the greatest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. Because you get into some fucking dumbass level where it's like pick a random pipe or die or just some bullshit that's almost impossible to clear. I'm not talking about like Kaizo Mario levels where it's like, oh, this is a well-designed level. It's hard. Those will still get downvoted. But I at least if I look at a stage, I can see the ratio of likes to dislikes and know if it's a pile of trash or not. Mm-hmm. So then when I'm in a hundred level run, I can be like, I'll skip this one because fuck that. It just, it looks so good mm-hmm. and it's blown out. And I, I will talk about this a little later, but I was under the impression that the touchscreen on the Switch sucks. That is not true because I've been playing a touch only game on mm-hmm. it and it works perfectly. So I assume studios really just haven't been putting the Correct. time into that, it. That is what it seems like. And it's coming with that sick Mario pen mm. if you pre-order it. So there's like a stylus version of it. That is a bummer for people who want to stream because if you, it's way easier to make levels with the stylus. Right. But docked, it seems like they're trying to do better with the button controls. Uh, and yeah, it's super cool. You can, like, put stickers in the level now, so, like, you can say, like, oh, sick level, and it's, like, a picture of Peach or whatever the fuck. My phone's blown up now. Uh, it just, like, I am blown away mm-hmm. by how much they added to that game. Super Mario 3D World right. is it, and it is not like the other ones where, like, you could just change the visual style. That actually plays differently. Mm-hmm. Super Mario 3D World. So, like, you can't just have it swap. So it has all kinds of crazy specific things like wall jumps and being a cat. All kinds of crazy shit. And that's what I'm so hyped for. And it also means that in the future, they could add Super Mario Brothers 2. Which is what I want. I want to be able to pull up turnips. I want to be able to make secret doors, secret potions, all that shit. I want to be able to fight Wart. I want to fight Birdo. That's my craving. And so I believe that there is still another thing in this game that they have not announced because they showed the menu mm-hmm. where you pick from, like, Super Mario, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, New Super Mario Brothers U, and then 3D World. There was exactly enough space for one more square next to 3D World. I'm telling you, if that is Super Mario 2, my brain will blow up. What is, do you think they would ever do, like, 3D Mario? I think it would be too hard to, like... like Odyssey, yeah, I, like, I would think that would be super cool, but I think it would be much harder would have to, to make complete. the tools. Like, it would be buckwall. Like, it'd yeah. be super hard to learn, whereas, like, right now, just placing the tiles is, like, easy enough for anyone to mm-hmm. do. I think that would be more akin to, like, Dreams, where you have to, like, watch 900 hours of tutorials to be able to make a good level. Mm -hmm. Um, But fuck yeah, man. Mario Maker was already sick on the Wii U, and it was one of the last remaining things that was like, oh, it's a bummer, and I should keep my Wii U around because Mario Maker is sick. The 3DS version of Mario Maker was not good. Well, they had... You couldn't share levels? It was stupid. It was... Whoever did thought of that should have just been fired i don't know why they made that yeah that's just uh but regardless like now if you had if you were someone who was like man i love mario maker this is it right and you fucking everybody will have this game or most people will have this game nintendo is i don't know how they do it they add they sprinkle the magic sauce on all of their products and then shit like this happens and it's uh, like i'm never ready 
to like Nintendo games as much as I think I like mm-hmm. I do in the end. And then you play it or you see their things and you're like, how are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Your crunch has to be absurd. No, they, <sighs> crunch doesn't exist in Japan. In Japan, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> you should listen to some stories about no, old yeah, Sega. Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. People like literally sleeping in their office making like little sleeping things underneath their mm-hmm. cubicle. Fuck. Dude. See, you're saying you'd like to see Days Gone like a documentary. I'd like to see a Nintendo. That's like Nintendo's like a fucking because like they're like Fort Knox and nothing gets. Yeah, no, out. That, that'll never happen. So like that would be fascinating to find out the day to day in Nintendo, but like it would never, never happen. So yeah, I. Oh man very curious yeah i'm so excited to play that's coming out in the next couple months june 28th man so i'm ready for that i'm also very upset because right now i am in like a weird gaming lull right where i can do whatever i want except that it's been going on for like over a month and a half then all the games that i do want to play come out like right in the same week in june or like the same two week period what are the games? Crash Team Racing, uh, Judgment, oh. Mario Maker 2, and something else. And then Marvel comes out two weeks after Mario Maker 2. Mm-hmm. Why they gotta do me like that? I had no games to play that were brand new, and now I'll have like four or five games to play simultaneously. I'm bad at that. Yeah. So. You could get lucky and like... The game you're looking forward to just ends up being like painfully average. <laughs> yeah, or it's two hours long, and I'm like, "Whoa, did it!" Yeah, Fuck. still haven't picked up Rage Two. It's a bummer. You didn't play it? Not yet. Oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I was looking forward to it this whole time. No. I want to hear about Rage Two. I can tell you what I've heard about it. I've also heard a lot about Rage Two. One of my coworkers said, "Cause he's I remember... doesn't really like it that much. It's average." Yeah, because like I remember he was over over here, in at the game awards, and he was like, "I pre-ordered it." Oh no, this is a different kid. Oh okay. Oh okay. Uh, no, he probably really likes it. Mm. Yeah, we'll find out. I'll ask him this tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna get it. I just like I'm not in any rush to get it now. I need you to get it. It's just like when I needed Scott to get Days Gone. (laughs) I needed to know Scott Platinum Days Gone. He got the platinum trophy. Jesus. I will not get the platinum. He said it was pretty good. But yeah, I'll be getting it. And who knows, I might actually like it because I liked Crackdown. So, Eris flushed it. That's important news. Because there was another game that came out the same day, A Plague Mm -hmm. Tale Innocence, which people were expecting to be bad, apparently is sick. Mm. So, What do you mean he flushed it? That's what he does when he stops playing it and will never play a game again. Oh, he flushed Rage? He flushed Rage 2 after an hour and a half. Wow. He said, I'm done with this. It's over. See, I think I'll like it longer than that. I mean, the, I think I'll like the combat enough. I, well, I don't know. I knew I was not going to like Rage. Yeah. So I was prepared for this. I was not. But let's transition into what we have been playing that is apparently not Rage 2, no. which I didn't even look at this sheet to see that it was not on I, here. Yeah, you, you were You texted like me that it was... It was it was getting average reviews. Yeah. You should not have hyped yourself up so much. Yeah. And I was like, of course not. But then I wanted to hear it. Oh. The podcast is ruined. Uh, uh, yeah, We've been playing Mass Effect 3, though. Yes. We are continuing. I wrote down a few things. I just thought about right now how I will not be able to play this week. 
because oh. I'm leaving Thursday to Monday. But we'll play Sunday. Too. No, I won't. Oh, this Sunday. Yes, they, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, okay, what do you got? Uh, well, I just wrote down, like, we cured the genophage. We cured the genophage. Very important. Mm-hmm. Um, sad moments. Kinda. <sighs> it it kind of, it makes you question, should we have? Because, like, in some ways, maybe the genophage was good. It was, but that, I think, is the moral complication right, right. with it. I think he, 100%. Like, I could never do it, and I would definitely undo it in real life, but, like, it could end up being a bad thing. It's kind of like with, uh, in the winter, or in the fall, where the hunting becomes legal for deer. It's to help the population so they don't end up starving and killing themselves. Yeah. So, like, in in, in a weird way, it is kind of a good thing to to maintain populations but i wouldn't want to be one of the people maintaining those populations yeah it the genophage is a weird thing but you do you cure it right and uh i think it's good can you not cure it no i think you have to okay because like there's that one part where you can kind of lie to them so you can yeah i I was just kind of wondering never be able to do that i would never be able to lie i I don't even want to find out if you can't do it because people who did that are bad people. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that. I would. I'll have to look that up just to see if you can. Uh, yeah, I, I bet you can. Um, I, I we went to the Citadel and there was the Cerberus coup. Uh, coup. They Cerberus yes. uh, attacked the. I I just wrote down what I remembered, which was they did three yes, things. Cerberus attacked the Citadel, which just still uh, makes no sense narratively. No, like, there was an assassin there. Well, they claim, see, because this is where I don't remember a lot about Mass Effect 3, the elusive man claimed it was because of some other plan. Like, it right. was fine. But it just failed. It just doesn't make sense. No, their it didn't. No. I, their motivation makes no sense in any of it. Yeah. Uh, it, there it, will be a part where, whatever, we'll find out more in Mass Effect 3. It's, it just uh, seems very retconned. Yeah, especially with, like, Counselor Adina betraying it yeah, yeah. I, there, there's a lot that goes on mm-hmm. in mass effect 3 that feels like they were just like we have to wrap up a lot of story threads yeah, yeah. and but i then don't know create, how create create like a, new story threads as well we'll create like a whole enemy that a villain for like so they just decided to make it the elusive man to like give you uh, something else to fight other than the reapers i guess right yeah. they like so cerberus is something to focus on and then the last thing I remembered was the we deactivated a bomb on Tachanka, yeah. Which we did like a lot of missions on Tachanka, I believe. Yeah, that one was like three parts though for mm-hmm. the bomb, because the Turians had put it there in no. case the genophage failed. Oh yes, yes. So, but then Cerberus like wanted found it. the bomb because they were gonna try to blow up Tachanka because they're dirty racist space racists. It, which once again, what's their motivation? Y- yeah, <laughs> I don't. See, that that's the thing that I find to be really weird, is because the Cerberus thing is basically like they are like white supremacists. Right. Essentially. Mm-hmm. And they are all about humans and not all the other alien races. But the universe is going to be destroyed mm-hmm. by the Reapers, so you would think that you would at least want some level of cooperation mm-hmm. and not to destroy one of the most powerful races that you have to help you out. It, makes, it seems stupid. Right. And that's the other thing. Like, they 
they just feels like retconned Cerberus into this like really bad entity, which I mean, it was always alluded into. I it guess, was, and but... everyone who was like Shepard, you're working with Cerberus. I mm-hmm. hate you now. I'm like, all right, but like I do what I want still, mm-hmm. and the elusive man doesn't really have any say in that. So that yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely more to the Cerberus situation in right. the game. So I'd, we'll see. And then one thing I just kind of, one fix I would make is you get an email or something that tells you like, hey, this person wants to talk to you. Rather than like after every mission, we're running around the ship trying to talk to everyone and no one wants to talk to us. Well, it's annoying because the lady up there is supposed to say, oh, Rex wants to talk to you. That's how it happened in Mass Effect 2. Right. She just says, Udina's available on the video com. And it's like, yeah, I know. He's always available mm-hmm. on the VidCom. Fucking tell me that Garrus wants to party. Right. And we've been doing this after every mission. And I think Vegas talked to us, what, once? Yeah, man. They didn't have enough money to pay Freddie Prince Jr. to have a lot of voice lines, I don't think. But, like, nobody's really talked to us. No. Well, I mean, then we, like, met Liara on the Citadel. We met Garrus on the Citadel. Right. I guess But we're like... getting emails about those. Yeah. But then sometimes we're finding people who we didn't get emails about. Liara. Which might be a bug. Or, like, after the fact, they're like, meet this person. Oh, but yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, we already fucking met this person. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's... I don't know if that's a bug or what's right. happening with that. But Yeah. So that would be one fix. I, I would make that fix for basically the entire trilogy. Yeah. If they ever remake it, is just, like, rather than <clears> have to run around the ship and try talking to everyone, just, like, let us know, which... Honestly, the more I think about it, like, one, which you're replaying now, you talk to people a lot more. I remember having very lengthy conversations with Tali. There are a lot more conversations with people, yes. I, specifically Tali, I remember yeah. having lengthy conversations. Where this one, we we haven't talked to anybody. Not really, no. At least once or twice, maybe, mm-hmm. for some of the characters. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's supposed to be because... You're saving the galaxy, so, like... People are busy? Shit's happening? I don't know. But, like, the entire franchise has taught you... It's about talking to people. Well, no, it's taught you to, to, at the end of every mission, go talk to people. Yeah. yeah. And then then this one, they're just like, nah, we're not gonna worry about doing that. (laughs) So, yeah, that's just uh, one, one change I would make to the Mass Effect. And I would call that, I would say, for the entire franchise. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you tell me about Ace Attorney? I've been playing Ace Attorney Investigations 2, a Japanese-only release, which I am playing in English. Because a year or two ago, it was translated into English by fans. Wait, this isn't the remake? No. This is, so there is Ace Attorney Investigations, which came out in like 2007, where instead of playing as Phoenix Wright, you okay, play as is... the prosecutor, Miles Edgeworth. Okay. Who is my man. I love Edgeworth so much he wears an ascot. Which it was a trilogy and then this was another trilogy, correct? This is only two games. Oh, this was two games. Yes, because I I don't know that this one performed well. Regardless, there is the Ace Attorney trilogy and then there is the second Ace Attorney trilogy, which is Apollo Justice. Okay, I was getting Apollo Justice. Fuck, I cannot remember what 5 is called. Dual Destinies and then Spirit of Justice. So this is the eighth Ace Attorney game? This is it happens before Apollo Justice. Okay. It the timeline is irrelevant. Well, no, I'm I'm saying like <sighs> numerically, like there's been eight. New eight, nine, ten, 
Okay. 12. Okay. The, well. Yeah. There's, Anyways. There's been a lot more than I thought. There are six games with Phoenix and Apollo. Edgeworth is in those. But these are his games because after the original Ace Attorney trilogy, no spoilers, things happen to Phoenix. Perhaps he becomes homeless and is disbarred. Uh, and... I don't know. He's just not here. You're just Edgeworth, and there are other characters from the Ace Attorney franchise, but not Phoenix. The first one came out here, and it is you actually walk around the crime scene instead of like using menus to mm-hmm. go around the crime scene. Um, it is cool and interesting. I liked the first Ace Attorney Investigations, which I just beat before playing this. Uh, but I hacked my 3DS because I wanted to play the great Ace Attorney which is where you play as Phoenix's ancestor and Sherlock Holmes is there, whatever. That didn't come. I had to order the physical copy. It's coming from Japan. So I was like, well, I hacked the 3DS. Let's find out what Ace Attorney Investigations 2 was like. Mm -hmm. The first case, better than every case in the first Ace Attorney Investigations game. I really liked, I like playing as Edgeworth. Now there's this whole new mechanic about logic chess and it's still essentially a visual novel, but you're solving sick murders. And it ties right into the first Ace Attorney Investigations. You're, like, dealing with some fake country called Zheng Fa. Now I am on the second case. I do not feel the same. I think it is one of the worst-paced cases in all of Ace Attorney. Yikes. It started off really cool, and you're, like, in a prison where each prisoner has their own animal companion to try to, like, rehabilitate them. But then the second half is just, like... They're retreading the same information over and over again. They're trying to get you to, like, logic out these really obvious things, but it's kind of, like, you don't know what you're supposed to actually fucking show. And I looked it up afterwards to see, like, yo, did everyone else hate this case as much as I did? And the answer was, "Uh uh-huh. So, apparently they get better from there. There are five of them, as there usually are. Do they... They usually get longer as the game goes on, correct? Which... I saw how long one of them is, and it might be the longest in the history of Ace Attorney. But this one specifically is just, like, the way they normally need to do it is, like, good writing. Like, they need to introduce new elements, new characters to push you further. Mm -hmm. This just, like, at the halfway point stopped doing any of that and was just, like, treading water the whole time. Because they were like, I don't know, it has to be this long for some arbitrary reason. But... I am enjoying it overall. I can't wait to see because people said that Ace Attorney Investigations 1 and 2 tell like a concise story throughout. So I'm I'm curious to see how it ends. But mm. I have been playing, like trying to play like an hour a night. This one was really fucking burning me. So we'll see how it goes. Mm. How long do cases last? I it depends. A couple hours in some cases. As I said, like I know, like the first one's usually short, and then they very get... short. Yeah, but then they last like uh, an hour and a half, two hours, depending mm. on how easy it is to logic it out. These ones are just way different because you walk around as Edgeworth, mm-hmm. so the the pacing is a is a lot different. Um, and then you're never actually in the courtroom because he's a prosecutor. It's him like. Oh. investigating the crime scene and going up to it mm. until the person who you find out is the real killer gets arrested and then they would go off to court but you do not do that part so so it's gonna be like judgment yeah it is and because edgeworth is a prosecutor mm-hmm. the overall arc of this game is them actually like 
sort of critiquing the Japanese legal system, which I think is why it didn't come out here. Mm. It's because people don't realize that, like, when someone is arrested for a case in Japan, there's, like, a 99% chance that they will be convicted. Like, being a defense attorney is mm-hmm. rough. Like, they almost never overturn it. But then you have Ace Attorney, Phoenix Wright, who is that weird outlier who mm-hmm. overturns the cases all the time. Like, Edgeworth and most prosecutors, they don't lose. Um, in this case, it's basically prosecutors telling Edgeworth, like, you have to convict this person where he is more, I want to know the truth mm-hmm. because I don't want to be, like, a shitty person. And so he's, like, reasoning that out. It has to do with his his dad who had passed away. Like, it's he was a defense attorney. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there is so much lore in the Ace Attorney franchise, I, I can't go over that all. Which you said there's 12 games, so like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot there. T- technically 10, if you want to go like by the regular thing. I was counting the Great Ace Attorney, which takes place in like the early 1900s in London. Mm. So, okay. take that as you will. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, I, that's really all I've been playing mainly. So. I I finished SteamWorld Quest. Okay. Um, I liked SteamWorld Quest quite a bit. Yeah, it was just a very fun, simplified uh, card game. Did you have trouble with the final boss? No. Okay, me either. I was going to ask, like, I had trouble early on, mm. and then, like, it, there was a certain point where I didn't have any issues. I think that. it's at a point when you get the deck you want to mm-hmm. play the way you want, and then mm-hmm. you're like, you know, I'm shattering this. I have a feeling you and I use the same exact characters. Which characters did you use? I used the Armily, which is the knight. Uh huh. Galio, which is the frog. Fosho. And Auric, which was the fox. Yeah, we <laughs> used the same <laughs> character. That's what's up. Uh, which, They're so good. Right, yeah. Together, I, I never used the weird twin people. I didn't even try. No, I didn't bother. They, I, I had the right system. They're the same. That's why I always have problems with those types of games. Mm-hmm. Those twin characters seem really cool. Right. So I think if I played it again or like played a challenge mode, I would try to use them. Because some of their skills seem like my shit, where mm-hmm. it's like I'm giving you status ailments right, right. or whatever no but i a lot of people seem to be like yo the final boss is like really hard and i was like well i blinded it and then it couldn't hit me anymore really i didn't lose no i did not either i yeah i don't know like but i had like a very simple system of like galio the frog he his job was to poison and then also like blind it so then it couldn't hit me same uh-huh same strat and uh, healing I, I, as well. I use it for healing. Yes, and then the knight I just use for very simple basic attacks, and then I used Oric the fox. He had like that one move where you build up like the the sun, the the gears or whatever. Yeah, he has that one move where it'll like spend all the gears at once. Oh, I took all those out. Oh, I like used yeah, that one, nah. and then like I would have moves that did like five thousand damage or something, <laughs> some crazy. St- shit no i I did not do that i I would just build it up and then just obliterate him i used him for like really weird shit like he didn't even actually need to exist in the battle Mm. most of the time like i used him for like crit up Mm. and like a bunch of other weird shit and then i would have armily or galio use their like huge like four gear moves right to do thousands of damage with with the crit up and stuff Mm. 
he, some of his moves were interesting. I Later on, you fight a lot of enemies that can't take physical damage. They can only take, like, elemental. Which, so that, he has a bunch of stuff that he just makes all of his basic attacks elemental. Right. So I would use him for that stuff, too. Yeah, because uh, he had some, like, wind attacks and stuff. that I, Yeah, I, I would do helpful. it with electricity. Mm. Um, so it's just his regular sword attacks would mm-hmm. be electric. That game is sick. Yeah. They said they were going to patch it with some other thing. Because uh, there is that, like, the arena mode i didn't mess around with i that. got like halfway through it and then i was like oh no my strategy doesn't work oh because they like do weird things where they like cut they make it so you can only have three gears mm. you're like oh, oh and my strats uh so yeah i got to a point where i was like fuck i have to change my deck i let mm. me just beat it and then i don't go back to things but it seems like they might patch it with other weird content so i'm curious to see how mm. that pans out very cool though yeah it was uh it was just a very fun stress-free uh just kind of like turn-based card game yeah yeah um and you also played darksiders 2 i haven't finished it the definitive edition yes i'm about halfway it's about 20 20 20 to like 25 hours so it is a lot different than the original darksiders which was more like zelda slash old god of war combat yes this one is like diablo because you get like rpg armor and weapons i literally wrote down zelda meets diablo (laughs) okay and then i also wrote new god of war okay and just the way it's like set up okay where like the new god of war is kind of like open but it is also very linear yeah Okay. And so, like, this is that's very much Darksiders, but then also Darksiders has a lot of loot, which actually the, the new Gears of War had quite a bit of loot. So it, it does remind me a lot of the new Gears of War, even though that game, you're talking about games that came out in what 2018, and probably like 2012 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but that's basically what this entire franchise has been is just game. It's just borrowing from all from the popular all the popular stuff. Because even 3 was very uh, Dark Souls inspired. Because, hmm. like, you remember you collect the, the souls. Yeah. And then you spend the souls to level up. I don't know what's going on with Darksiders as a franchise. It's anymore. a very interesting franchise. It doesn't make sense to me anymore. I'm very... Like, I saw the trajectory of 1 and 2, and right. it was like, oh, well, each person would play, like, a kind of different game. Mm-hmm. And then they got to the third one, but it and was, it... like, after THQ was gone. Mm-hmm. Well, gone, in air quotes. Now they're doing AMAs on 8chan. Uh, and then, like, that, the third one the, seemed super not great but like not terrible honestly it seems like this has just been a franchise that is built around the concept of double a i really like that first game i think a Mm -hmm. lot of people did too um which i mean three it it did very much feel like a darksiders game yeah it just felt like a cheaper one unfortunately so like what i i expected them to like because especially the way the first one ends like it seemed like they were building towards something and it and then they released two and it very much did not seem like they were building towards that thing anymore because like two was a prequel no it's a they're simultaneous they're all happening at the same time they're three is two yes yes what i thought it starts with him being captured who 
War. Yeah. What? War gets captured at the beginning of one. Darksiders one? Yeah, so he gets Clay as war. Yeah, but then you're released with um Vikram or whatever, oh, and then he follows you around. Fuck, dude. I I don't know. You're captured and and then and then you have to go do whatever. I don't even remember what you have to do. But yeah, I mean and then two's happening while he's been captured. Three is happening while he's been captured. So then like all you know is that he's been captured, which happens at the beginning of one, and then you're sent off to go kill whatever. Boy. And that then, happened so long ago. Right. So. And then four, I, it at the end of three really alludes to four happening. Okay. And then it seems like their plan all along was then to have a fifth one that brings them all together. Uh-huh. Which would be, in theory, cool. It would be, in theory, cool. But I'm never going to play 2 or 3 now at this point. You should. I won't. But 1 was cool at mm-hmm. the time, and I remember thinking this would be a cool thing. I played And one. then when 2 came out, I like was less interested and just skipped over it. Mm-hmm. But now I definitely don't want to play 3. 3 is not that bad. But I don't want to play it. I have no desire to play, like worst devil may cry you know what i mean like i would just play devil may cry so i i don't know it just it's just and the gap of time now feels it like too strange. long yes because they like thq went out of business but then they were like oh but we bought them so it's, i i it's just weird it it, is it's, a very... it's a bizarre franchise mm-hmm. it's like avengers but if it was put out by like four separate companies and over the course of like 20 years i don't, mm. I don't know it, it it's an interesting franchise. It is an interesting concept that, if it came to fruition, that would be cool for everybody. I guess for very few people. I don't know how many people bought three. <laughs> Probably not that many. And the other issue with Dark Siders, it is definitely a case of one was the best, two was worse, three, three was, was worse. <laughs> it is. It's not going well. No. Okay. Well. But I mean, like. I still played 3, and I, I had a decent time with it. Okay. Is 2 worse, or is it just a lot different than 1? Oh, God. Even, like, I, wanna, I played 1 in, like, 2016. I played 1 the year it came right, out. Right. So, like, I'm way outside of my remembrance range. I mean, like, I liked 1 enough that I wanted to keep going. Okay. You don't want to keep going in 2? So. No, I will. Oh, okay. I, I will finish 2. Yeah, but... And then I will... If they make a fourth, I'll buy it. Okay. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Okay. That's going to be crazy. Uh Uh-huh. I think I like the Darksiders series more than Zelda. Whoa. All right. I don't agree with that at all. Can I have a caveat here? Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Breath of the Wild and A Link to the Past are better than Uh all the Darksider games. Uh Uh-huh. But I prefer all the other Darksider games over any other Zelda. I, we don't Did have you to play get... Wind Waker. No. All right, this is an illegal conversation then. I don't think I would like it though. I hundred percent you would like Wind Waker. Everyone would like Wind Waker because, like, I, from what I've heard, half the game is just you on a boat doing nothing. That's not true. That's what I heard. From what? People. Okay. Well, also they took most of that out of the, the HD remake, remake. Mm. because the the part at the end with the Triforce is not a good quest, but mm-hmm. that is also like one percent of the game that they removed. So, I, I don't know. Just, Wind Waker is a masterpiece. Mm. 
Skyward Sword was not as good. No, I played Skyward Sword. That's your fault. I could. I told everyone not to play Skyward Sword after I played Skyward Sword. During while I was playing mm-hmm. Skyward Sword, in fact. And then I played... What was... Maybe it was Sky... What was the other one that came out on the Wii? Twilight Princess. I played Twilight Princess, but I played that on the Wii U. I didn't care for that. Oh, Twilight Princess is also pretty good. I didn't like either of the N64 games. That's buck wild. So, Two of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, I didn't like them. And yeah, it's fucked up. So, like, yeah. But I've enjoyed the Darksiders franchise. Hey, I said it was a. I'm just saying, Darksiders that... One literally feels like bootleg Zelda. Mm. If like people were making bootleg Zelda products, but they had other stuff. I remember they had like the Portal Gun. Huh? You know what else had that <laughs> Portal? <laughs> so uh, yeah. And at one point, it was like a weird third-person shooter. Huh? There was Darksiders One was a weird game. It was. It was a compilation of a it lot of weird things. It was a very B-tier thing that mm-hmm. was just weird. But they did it well enough they got away with it. Uh-huh. And then they made a second one. And oh, they did that not was... as much get away with it. Well, it was just different. It was. I think people wanted more of the same, and they wanted to make like a more of an RPG, loot-based RPG. And you know what happened? People didn't like it. Yeah, and then they went out of business. I, I, you can't blame Darksiders out. No, I can blame the U-Draw tablet, mm-hmm. because that's what put them out of business. Which, what were they thinking there? I don't fucking know, dude. THQ is a weird <laughs> thing, but they were also, like, the, the toy headquarters. Like, they mm-hmm. were, they also did toys. Like, right. the main thing that kept them afloat was putting out Spongebob episodes on Game Boy Advance cartridges, okay? <laughs> like, shit, I don't even understand that company's trajectory. They were putting out Pokemon and Spongebob episodes on GBA carts, and they were selling like wildfire. The, the mid was, to late 2000s were weird. Who was buying those? I don't know, but I have a pirated copy of three Pokemon episodes on a Game Boy Advance cartridge. Let me tell you what's not enjoyable to watch with the compression it would need right. on a Game Boy Advance <laughs> cartridge. Wouldn't they, would it have sound? Yeah. But, like, it wouldn't have voice acting. No, I have voice acting. Jesus Christ. It's the most compressed digital audio you've ever heard in your life. I, <laughs> I bet I still have that. I'll show you sometime. It's an episode where Blaziken fights in the Pokemon League. I probably still have it on a hard drive somewhere. Oh, God. That yeah. is, that's awful. That shouldn't exist. No, and I downloaded it when I had dial-up. And they were way larger file sizes than actual Game Boy Advance games. The future was then. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that uh, I've been playing Darksiders too. Yeah, and the final thing is I've been playing Citus Alpha, which is... Citus, I talked about Citus 2 as a mobile rhythm game a couple months ago or something. Uh, and it was enjoyable, and the way they told the story was cool, and like it was like future message boards, and like mm. everybody's... You got your text. Living in the future. <laughs> uh... This is a compilation of everything from the first Citus game, which I'm playing on the Switch. You can play with buttons, and it feels like trash, or you can play with your hands on the Switch touchscreen like you're a crazy piano man, Mm -hmm. and that feels super good and responsive, and I like it a lot. I like playing it as a rhythm game. The story of the first one, not good compared to the second one, because instead of like having it be like some interactive message board thing, it is basically just like... Oh, you unlocked a paragraph of text about the world. And I'm like, wow, this is not exciting. 
let's play the rhythm game. Mm. And then I do that. I've been playing DJ Max Respect continuously. There is a DJ Max Respect collaboration with Cytus Alpha, so some of my hottest and favorite DJ Max jams are in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a rhythm game. I don't know. They're Most of the songs are pretty forgettable. And then I played the DJ Max songs and was like, man, these are way better songs mm-hmm. overall. How do you... That's all I got for you. How, how, for the Switch, is it horizontal or is it vertical? Horizontal. So, like, would you prefer vertical? Because then you would have more time no, to see the No, because it's not... You don't play it that way. It You know, it's not like a note highway. Oh. It is... Citus is like there is a black bar that bounces up and down and, like, circles appear. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the black bar is about to coincide with them, there's, like it looks different you can set it to look different but then you tap it so like they're appearing at certain points like do you have to tap it exactly on the right spot yes okay um so it's not like a note highway type thing it's like they're they're appearing so yeah i kind of thought all rhythm games were note highway no Uh, so this is made by a company called rayark Mm -hmm. they also make probably my favorite mobile rhythm game called demo which i bought on the vita thinking it would be okay the touchscreen on the vita does suck so it was very not fun i might buy the demo definitive edition on switch and play it um that is closer to a like note highway rhythm game but it still is horizontal Mm -hmm. because they were meant for phones so like they want you to play it sideways so you can hold it or whatever um rayark is a great developer they do awesome work some of the dlc for their games costs way more than it should demo was a little bit better about it the thing that I like about Demo that sets it apart is it was more piano music. Mm-hmm. So it was like all piano stuff. Whereas like Citus is just like every other rhythm game where it's like, here's some K-pop and J-pop and like the most generic song you've ever heard. Whereas uh, so far there has not been a single song where I like, I'll remember this how do you, next week. How do you really get into rhythm games where you're just like feel very eh about the music? I feel like the music would uh-huh. be... I, I I don't know. That's weird. But Demo is sick. Mm-hmm. They made that. They also made another one that I can't think of. But the music in Citus 2 on the phone also seems better. Mm-hmm. So Citus 2 just seems better okay. overall. Um, to buy the base version of that on phones is like two bucks or some shit. Uh, hopefully they make Citus 2 for the Switch once all the content is out. Because um, that's what these are on Switch. It's basically that game with all the DLC included, but it's like 40 bucks. Wow. Whereas if you bought it all on the phone, it would be way more than 40 bucks. Oh. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Rhythm games are fun. I like them, mm-hmm. is my, my moral of the story. It DJ seems- Max. now I'm convinced that I've been playing these other rhythm games recently. DJ Max Respect is my favorite rhythm game of all time. Wow, even more than like Rock Band or... 100%. It is... I love every moment of it. And mm. the fact that they keep putting out DLC for it, mm-hmm. I'll buy it forever. It'll probably be my 2019's 2018 game of the year. Because I think I've already put in as much time as I did last year. So, alright. But that's it for what we've been playing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I will talk about next podcast oh just kidding next podcast will be after e3 right no it'll be the friday of e3 next podcast will be may 31st okay the one after that will be the friday of e3 week i already have an idea for well 
Wait, it's going to be right before E3? No, after. So it'll no, be... No, I mean, May 31st will be right before E3? No, it'll be a week and a half before E3. Okay. I'm saying two podcasts from now, it is the Friday of E3 week. Mm-hmm. So all of the information oh. will be out there, so we can just talk about E3. I Yeah, which we'll discuss what my idea yeah. was for next but episode. But I, I was just saying, for this next week, I don't know what game I will be able to talk about that I will have played. Mm. And because I'm probably just going to keep playing Ace Attorney Investigations 2, because mm-hmm. I'm definitely not going to beat it by then. And that's really all I got popping off in the video game world. So. Well, we'll have some news. And but there stuff. will be news, yeah, I'm just saying. I don't know. I, the last <coughs> two months, I didn't play hardly anything. I'm finally starting to get back into playing games. All right, well, that's good, because mm. I am the opposite at this moment. But we will reach our final portion now, which mm-hmm. is, as we talked about, it is the documentary that Sony put out. It yes. is called Raising Kratos, and it is about God of War, the new God of War. Okay. Which I would say if you haven't watched it, just pause this podcast, go watch it. It's two hours. It's definitely worth your time, and then you can come back to this. I yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I but mean, if I mean, if you don't care about. I don't know. It's not really spoilers for a documentary. No, but I'm just saying, like, you should... You, I would go watch it. I would watch, yeah. I would watch all video game documentaries. Because I like... a proper I, amount of time. I was listening to the Game Informer podcast, and they started talking about this. So that, And that's exactly what I did. I just paused their podcast and started watching this. And then this morning, I texted you, and I was like, hey, have you watched this? This is, like, very well done. No, and I realized while I was watching it that I have not watched something in my home that is two hours long mm. in fucking so long. Wow. Even, like, a movie? Yeah, I don't watch movies here, mm. usually. Well. Um, I, I, I mean, I watch, like videos that are two hours long but mm-hmm. not in one sitting generally oh, okay i've been watching a lot of youtube content that is like 15 minutes mm. like i watched all of unraveled brian david gilbert's polygon series about video game lore which if you have not watched watch every episode of unraveled he does the complete pokey rap of all 817 pokemon it is a masterpiece mm. brian david gilbert is one of the funniest people to exist on the planet i think but his book about reading, or his, his video about reading every book in Skyrim, they're all good. Mm-hmm. But we're here to talk about this documentary, Raising Kratos. Which I will say right off the bat, the first half hour is very strange. The time frame, because it's like bouncing around the, like you don't really know what year it no, is. No, it first. is bouncing around between like old, like old God of War and then like Corey being hired on for the new one. Well, no, I mean like even Corey, like... You can very much tell, like, at the beginning of the the documentary, Corey, and then at the end, and it is bouncing around, and you're like, this is very strange. It's just, like, bouncing around from different years that first half hour. But then it gets to the E3 2016, and then it really kind of hits its mark, I, I found, personally. Yeah. I, they're, they're, this documentary is so weird in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, but... I, what I thought was crazy is they kept showing clips of everybody being super hype about the original God of War games. Right. I don't know that I knew any human being in real life who was that into God of War. Yeah. I mean, I realize it's a documentary about God of War, so you have to be like, God of War is huge and popular, which it was. Yeah. But like... 
I don't know that I ever saw someone in Kratos face paint in real life. No. Or someone who was like, yes, God of War. Like, mm-hmm. I, the closest I had to that was my friend Cody who let me borrow God of War 1, which I returned to him saying, I don't really like this, and God of War 2 as well. And him being like, well, I liked it. <laughs> and, like, that's, like, as, like, in my face as mm-hmm. someone ever got about God of War. But just, like, seeing, like, the vast crowds of people right. with Kratos face paint being like, oh, murder. Mm-hmm. And you're like happening yeah i mean that reminded me the one part i hated which was all the youtube reactions which i some of those okay you could have picked a lot better youtube reactions than those is my Mm. first thought on that but even like the easy allies stream which was like the only one that i i don't know like i I, they worked at game trailers before they're they're cool guys like, that one seemed genuine, whereas a lot of the other ones, it seemed like they just, like, picked him at random out of a hat. Uh, yeah, and I just, I hate, I hate those YouTube videos with a passion because they're just so lazy. Like, I don't really need to go into why I hate them. I feel like most people, although they're popular enough and everybody does them. Okay, you don't like reaction videos, but mm. what are, how about unboxing videos? <laughs> I feel like that's different. <laughs> no way. They both suck. Right, right. But, no, but like, I think of, like, Giant Bomb and the way they do it. They're technically reaction, but they put themselves at the bottom of the screen. Like, they did it for the state of play, right? Right, And right. it's just, it was Jason and Jeff talking as it went on, being like, ooh, I don't know about this, or whatever. Well, they're talking, and they're not making themselves the focal point. Yes, that's true. Where, like, the, a lot of those videos, it's, like, a little tiny on the screen of the actual video, and then it's just them, and they're putting no effort, and then they're monetizing it, and they have to be hamming it up and just faking those reactions. It depends on the person. I guess. I have been known to get very hype about announcements. I I guess. So but... I can't, I'm not one to talk. Mm-hmm. There have been times when people would have thought that me and Nukio were dying down here. <laughs> that we were so excited mm-hmm. for Monster Hunter and things mm-hmm. like that. But, yeah, I don't know. That part was rough. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that was, that was only, like, probably five minutes of the video. And I specifically remember that reveal at E3, mm-hmm. and I did not have that reaction. You probably didn't care. I was somewhat distraught that they had brought Kratos back. <laughs> I just remember being like, oh no. <laughs> because like I didn't like those God of War, right, those right. first three or four God of War games, and it was like, oh no, I thought they were done with God of War. Yeah, I remember in 2018... And it was just like, hey, God of War is coming out, and people are excited, and I just didn't care. So I actually did. That's where I think they did a good job with that reveal. Like, with Kratos' initial reveal, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, another God of War game? But then as they went on, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like him as a father, and it's in Norse mythology, then I was like, oh mm-hmm. shit, is this gonna be for me? Like, am mm-hmm. I gonna like this? And I remember my brother also being like, Yo, this looks so cool. I don't even give a fuck about God of War. Right, right. And I was like, this is weird that we both have this same reaction of like, this seems cool and interesting. Whereas before, like, God of War would come on the screen and like my eyes would glaze over and I would be like, oh, God, no. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, they did what they set out to do. Right. Which I mean is the whole purpose of this entire documentary. It was. They were in tune enough with the fact that people like me existed that had no interest in God of War, but also mm-hmm. that after 
those three games and Ascension, that people did not want that same thing again. They couldn't make the same thing again. Would one thing that I found interesting is like at the end of that, they were like, "We need to change this up," and then they went, they went and brought back Corey, which I didn't really realize. I kind of thought Corey came in. No, and so was he the, worked there when Jaffe worked there. Yeah, he was part but of But that is what I think is bizarre about mm-hmm. the framing of that video is they went and, like, looked for Corey Barlog. Right. There was nothing in the documentary that was like, yeah, and then we asked David Jaffe if he wanted oh, yeah, to, yeah, like, yeah. make another God of War. Like, they didn't even mention his name. Right. In this documentary, which I thought was crazy. Mm-hmm. Because he was the, the mm-hmm. like, the dude behind right. that. But I think they, they wanted a change and they knew Jaffe would, he would Probably not. I, I mean, I guess because, like, there were there were multiple points where they were showing the games that those studio, that studio mm-hmm. had worked on, which, like, you know, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, mm-hmm. an all-time classic, but also Twisted Metal, mm-hmm. like, the newer Twisted Metal, which Dad Jeffy did help work on, uh... So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were like, oh, well, he worked here recently enough after Corey had left mm-hmm. that they did not go back to him. But I just thought it was interesting that, like, that was the. They wanted to make a change and they're like, we should bring Corey back. And then he came in and he's the one who's like, hey, we should introduce a son. And then it seems and I, like. So I liked that aspect of it because. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, people are always like, oh, like, you're so creative or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'm not really. I basically just say, what's going on in my life? Mm -hmm. Can we incorporate that (laughs) into the game? And he had, like, recently become a father. And so he was like, what if Kratos was, like, a dad now? Mm -hmm. And that, because he was. And it worked. I mean, like, we both really enjoyed God of War. Apparently so did everyone else, because it actually won... At game, the Game, game Awards, right. one Game of the Year, which that is like, for that Game of the Year award, generally, I it's like, I don't know what's the popular with regular people, not people who are way into video games. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I mean, expected it to be Fortnite or some shit. No, I mean, I, I, it was gonna be Red Dead. Like Red Dead, if you remember, had won all the awards. I know, up to but it, I, Red Dead did not deserve that in that way. I don't mm-hmm. think. And then, like, I. I was shocked, because you had already left, if you remember. I did, because I had to pick up Smash Bros. And then I texted you, because uh, like, then I just went home, and I, I got home, I turned on the, the stream, and I was like, holy shit, God of War won Game of the Year. I was convinced it was going to be um, uh, Red Dead. Yeah. Which, I mean, God of War, they did win, which I guess it's Sony Santa Monica, the game developer, or whatever, whatever that award is of the year Developer, game direction game direction of the year or some shit yeah, yeah. I don't know. they have too many to things now but yeah uh, another thing that i found very interesting especially early on was they were showing a lot they showed a lot more of that canceled game that you would have ever a lot of studios they don't want to show that was weird because yeah. they they specifically were they moved them into that like new office space so that they could have like two teams, one right. working on God of War and one working on that new IP, which was originally supposed seven? to be like a smaller game. I don't know if it was supposed. That to That is be what smaller. it seemed like to oh. me uh, because was... they said it was like smaller team of people working on it. It was like a hundred people or something. Which I it seemed like initially God of War was even smaller. Yeah, it might have been. But what? So what happened was they like canceled 
that game and right. then they just immediately rolled all of those people or the ones that didn't get laid off mm-hmm. over to god of war so then they had like an overabundance of people and it was like weird because they like mm-hmm. were not ready for that right and i thought that was really interesting yeah because yeah. i think like early on in a game cycle they're just kind of like working on the specifics of things yeah so it's usually a very <clears throat> small uh like intimate team i guess you would say of usually i think around 20 people and i think that's where they were early on mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're just like here's a hundred plus people <laughs> and <laughs> figure then... out something to do with them uh-huh. and yeah so but i mean i guess it worked out for the studio in the end but... yeah for sure um I-, I am just i find it to be really cool that they were able to say hey this thing has been the same forever mm-hmm. we have to change it right actually change it but then have it be successful because like that is in my opinion the absolute worst case scenario is when a studio tries something new and different and then they get like shit on for it for mm-hmm. lack of a better term because i personally like i always say i would rather a new and interesting idea or like a new ip as opposed to a sequel Mm -hmm. because that is something that happens in movies all the time like sequel palooza over there but also recently for this generation of video games like almost everything is a sequel and it's because if the first one sold well and you're making something that's similar in the same franchise it's gonna sell well as well so why would you make a brand new franchise or Mm -hmm. a new game and take it in a new direction when you know that it's gonna sell well this way my counter to that is if I really like something, I want more of it. So See, like, but like I, I don't, I do agree with that, and like I'm not gonna complain right. every time when it comes out. I'll be like, oh, I did like this. I will enjoy this as well. But I think that it needs to be something like Mario Maker Two. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it is that same concept, but like blown out a lot. And that's not what usually happens, especially from AAA studios. Well, like let's think of God of War. How do you blow that out and make it, like, incredibly better? That's what I'm saying. You can't. Right. So the fact that they were actually took the risk and it paid off is awesome. Right. And I like that. Whereas, like, I will play The Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. 100% do not think they should have made that ever. Because that was such a conclusive story, in my opinion, right? But let's not pretend like Naughty Dog could have made whatever the fuck they wanted and it would have been, like, a dope-ass game. Right. So it just, yeah, I don't know. Where, I for me, like, Horizon Zero Dawn is one of the best new IPs of this generation. And, and that was a case where they took a massive risk. They had to, though. I, on that one, because, mm-hmm. like, what, were they going to make another kill zone oh, well, and yeah, have it yeah. perform sort of poorly? So, I yeah, that's another mm-hmm. one where, like, I didn't like that game very much from what I played of it. But I am glad that they were able mm-hmm. to do something different. But then there is the conundrum of oops now we'll probably make horizon forever oops we'll probably make god of war forever now until we can't handle it anymore you know what i mean i would i i like the idea of trilogies i'm happy with trilogies and then move on sure i don't i don't know i don't think there's gonna be a last of us three maybe I'm I'm talking like Horizon Zero Dawn and even God of War. Like, I wouldn't mind it. Like, two more and then, like, maybe do something else. Yeah. 
So one of the things I thought was really cool about God of War that I was that it was originally going to be in Egypt. I wrote that down originally Egypt. Yeah. I was like that that's interesting because I, mean, I would have taken that too. Yeah. Egyptian gods are super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that would have been very different because that would have been all desert. And it also would have come out at around the same time as Assassin's Creed Origins, which was also mm. in Egypt. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the way they... it, it Yeah. It's, I wrote that down specifically, and... I, yeah, I just... I had a thought, but then I just kind of lost it there. But So, so that's, that's another thing that was really cool about God of War was... They went from the Greek mythology to Norse mythology mm-hmm. as another extra way of like separating it from what it used to be, mm-hmm. and that worked. I mean, it also established the fact that there are multiple pantheons of gods in mm. that universe, and I mean, even near the end of God of War, they set that up even further. I was gonna say they they even reference like <coughs> yeah. I, they reference the Egyptian gods. and the Japanese gods mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, so. And one thing that I really liked, and I know this was a common complaint, was it was just a very small cast altogether in God of War, which meant that there weren't a lot of women represented. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and I know that was a common complaint, but I feel like there was just very few people. There were very few people, and usually that means that those characters get more development development overall, which it was supposed to be a more personalized story right. for Kratos and Atreus, which worked. I mean, yeah. yeah. You, as much as you would think Kratos would get no character development because in God of War 1, 2, and 3, his entire character is, I'm angry. Like, with no nuance whatsoever. He had some story. I'm Yes. In that his... He was way into his job as a general, and his wife and kid died, and then he was upset. Well, he killed his... He was uh, yeah, tricked into killing his kids. And, and he's just it. very angry. Mm-hmm. And then he continued to be angry for three other games after the original anger, for slightly different reasons. And it just—I I don't know. Like he didn't evolve as a character. He didn't develop. No, no. He was just like, "I'm mad. I'm gonna kill everything now." In this one, he was still angry, but he was—it was a controlled. Rage. But he was like trying to come to terms right. with that as well, and like how to be a better father and not mm. be a total shithead. He doesn't like the concept of gods and stuff like that. It and it works well and. Atreus works well as well. Right. Which they didn't go into that in the documentary as much as I thought they would about how normally having a character like Atreus with you is one of the worst things in all of video games. They touch upon it. But not in like the way that I would have expected, where like mm-hmm. I don't know, if someone told me to play test a game and was like, Yeah, he's with you the whole game, I would be like, Fuck no. This is terrible. An escort mission for the whole game, mm. but I mean, then he he does help you, and right. he's helpful, he interacts with the world in different ways, he's more or less invincible. Which, when in that focus group, it seemed like the complaints were the exact opposite, where they're like, he's too good. Yeah, he's OP <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> that freeze OP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. I never felt that way, I guess, that he was like... I mean, obviously, they balanced it past... I was going to say, like, maybe he was really broken, and, like, you don't have really... And it seemed like that was was just basically a whole empty area, and maybe it was just one enemy at a time. We really don't know how that playtest really kind of was. No. But it was kind of interesting watching them watch the people playtest. And he's just like, are they enjoying this? I cannot tell at all. Well, that one girl's enjoying it. <laughs> That's why I always like 
listening or seeing developers watch someone play their game mm-hmm. or like talk about it afterwards because they're just there like oh please don't do that thing that i think everyone's gonna do or like please notice this cool thing or notice this cool thing and they're like on edge the entire mm-hmm. time watching over your shoulder like trying not to just tell you exactly what to do mm-hmm. that is awesome yeah yeah when someone is like that invested in something that they like super care about it to that level i'm a big fan of that mm-hmm. which Corey was yes okay in the beginning of the documentary Corey barlog looked young Yes. At the end, he uh, he is has way more of a beard, and his hair is very gray. It, it like honest, he got old over the course of that development. It, it honestly reminds me a lot of like a U.S. president. You see him come in, and they look baby faced, and then at the end, they're just like they just look old and defeated. Yeah, he it, was having a rough go of yeah, it. I think he had a. Which, I mean, as as we said, I mean, it was five years, which it works out well that Sony was willing to let him take the time to work this out. Because if this game was, if Sony was like, this needs to be out in three years, this would not, this would be a completely different story. Uh This game would have been a disaster. Which, that was my favorite part of the whole documentary, was when they said that they had Shuhei Yoshida Mm -hmm. from Sony Worldwide Studios play it, and he thought it was fucking (laughs) awful. Right. Like, they thought that he just didn't enjoy it, but he actually told them afterwards that he thought it was, like, a disaster. Mm -hmm. Like, that it was disastrously bad and not fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Like, that's gotta be so hard right for someone like yeah we're trying to reinvent this franchise we're like doing all this different cool stuff and Mm -hmm. then he's someone who is like a higher up at the company you work for is like yo this sucks Mm -hmm. like you guys gotta (laughs) fix this and i can't believe they one let them say that and Mm -hmm. two that he would be that candid about it which the other thing is like i they didn't i've i heard that story before yeah that was late in the development. That was just like a few months before the game came out. They oh. didn't they didn't show that in the documentary. That was like at the tail end and it just it it had frame rate issues and he was just like this thing is a disaster. Yeah. And but they somehow found a way to make it work. See, uh, that that seems weird because mm-hmm. those are the kinds of issues that get fixed at the very end of development. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds dumb to say this, but like eventually all the pieces like fall into place oh it seems like at the end of video game development like that is the case like a month out Mm -hmm. it still seems like whoa this shit's unplayable but that is the stuff you optimize on the tail end right Right. at the end and then it comes together that way yeah i I would feel like shuhei yoshida would know that information for how long he has worked there so that seems kind of weird but i don't think people really understand how game development works it, it's exactly that where imagine it's just a hundred people basically just spinning plates yes and then at the end it just all comes together and you're like is this a good game or is this a bad game we don't know and then you just find out uh-huh <laughs> and then sometimes they're good sometimes they're average and sometimes they're bad um i i guess the better studios kind of can push things along and make it good but i mean even good studios you know produce bad games sometimes yeah it does happen um what i think is really cool is 
as someone who has done like creative writing and writing in general, mm-hmm. when you spend a lot of time doing something or like a creative endeavor, you lose the ability to know if it is good or mm. if it is bad because you are so personally invested in it. Right. He 100% <laughs> had that. And he would worry about that fact. It seemed like at all times, even outside of work. Yes. Like he would just think about, mm-hmm. oh my God, is the game good? I don't know anymore. Please help me. Right. <laughs> like, and I don't think... I Because... Another thing that I don't know if a lot of people realize is, like, these major publishers, they have, like, in-house reviewers that review the games. Yeah. And I'm sure those reviewers, like, this is a pr- this is a good game. You have nothing to worry about. Uh-huh. But I'm, sh- I, I'm sure he's the type of person, he didn't really listen to that. And it didn't hit him that it turned out okay until he, like, saw, saw those the reviews, reviews that and, were very positive. And, yeah. and, then the, and then, like, the famous YouTube video where he was in tears. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was the moment he finally was like, "All right, I did a good job." Yeah, this is this is a good a good mm-hmm. game. Which is kind of sad that in those five years he probably doubted himself the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Which I don't know. Was that the first time he was ever like the main lead? Like, I think it was the first time he was the the lead. Because before I know he was like a higher up with yeah. like God of War two, but like I don't know. And then he left. I don't know what he did during that time, and then he came back. Yeah, I don't remember where he ended up going, but yeah, for sure, I think it was the first time he was a lead, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I mean, know. he pulled it together, which it is rough watching because, like the the way they kind of cut it up, they would show him on stage, and he'd be like kind of joking about how like his job is to be an asshole, and then uh-huh. they would cut to him basically being Being an an asshole asshole. yeah (laughs) yeah some of the stuff that he was saying to people was Mm -hmm. like ooh, yeah like that one where he's like we hired this guy to do that one specific thing i don't want to hear any more excuses (laughs) it was just like oh boy this he is I think he's a much bigger hard ass than I would have ever realized. Yeah, probably, but I mean, you need that. I yeah, think, yeah, to in be. that kind of environment, especially right. when you're on a time crunch like that for stuff. When you're on a time crunch and you're managing hundreds, <clears throat> hundreds of, of people. people, yeah. So, I did not expect them to get into like weird, sadder, and depressing aspects of people's lives in mm-hmm. this, but. A lot of that happened, like, the guy who voices Kratos and how he was talking about how he felt like he worked away the first ten years of his kids' I lives. I wrote that. I wrote, he, he he literally said this this game was like a love letter to his kids. To his kids, yeah, because he felt like he had missed the first ten years of their lives because he was, like, acting and doing other things. He did and... that Stargate show for ten oh, years. Oh, yeah. He did that for ten years, so I think that's exactly what he was referencing. And he felt like he said he, like, missed them growing up. Mm-hmm. And he later only realized that, like, when they said to him, like, oh, we understand why you work, like, Mm -hmm. it's for us and stuff, that he, like, really believed Mm -hmm. that they were okay with him. And he was, like, sort of crying, and it was, like, really weird. But that was, like, emotional and heartfelt. The one that I thought was really weird was the lady who played Freya, and she just, like, starts talking about her, how at the time she was going through a divorce, 
And then is just like staring like weirdly dead-eyed into the camera for an abnormal period of time before they cut. Which and I was like, what's going on? They did that a number of times, especially with Chris Judge, where like he would finish a sentence and then they would stay on his face for a little longer for I guess emotional effect or something. Yeah, but that one was weird because was. she like wasn't frowning or anything. Mm-hmm. She's just like really emotionally dead looking. And it was like, boy. Mm-hmm. Everyone who worked on this game seemed sad and upset. Which another one was that woman at Sony Monica talking about her kids and like wondering if she spends enough time with them. Or so that one was much. really weird because it was her and I can't think of the woman's first name or the last name was Yang. Right. Uh, and it was those two sitting at a table... Mm-hmm. And he basically, like, the guy who's doing the documentary asks him, like, oh, like, how how is this with your family? Is, like, is they supportive or whatever? And Yang says, like, yeah, it's great. Like, uh, my family and my kids, my husband, I have a supporting family. And they, uh, like, they might be even more excited for the game than I am. And, like, mm-hmm. that's really cool. And they pan over to the other lady. I think her name was Sandra. Right. And she just starts crying and says, like, I can't answer this question right now. And they never actually follow up with that, which mm-hmm. I was like, how can you not follow up with that? Like, I, what does that even mean? And it seemed like at the end, especially at the game of the year speech that they gave, she thanks her kids. Mm-hmm. I think she was going through a divorce at that Maybe. time as well. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's just, that's tough. That's... It is. I, And it seems that way, like, they put a lot of themselves into it and i mean that happens with like all creative things but like maybe they just put more of themselves into it and don't have enough to give outside of that Mm -hmm. i I don't know see that's that's the kind of stuff that i was talking about earlier where i was saying like i'm surprised sony allowed like some of that stuff to just stay because like it it does kind of bring the darker sides of Of game development game development where as we touched like is it worth people having to get a divorce so we can enjoy, like, a really good game like that. I, probably not. No. Uh, and you know how demanding the internet is. It's... Yeah, I... Ugh. Just so much of it is, like, there was a lot of weird mm. stuff like that where it was like, mm, this is not right. going great yeah. for everyone. Yeah, you would expect a studio to want it to seem, like, all happy and chipper, and it's and just... It's... It, I'm glad that they... I'm glad it, it you know... They allowed the, the the documentary, you know, people to be able to tell a true story. Yeah, and story. it's just even more depressing because, like, once the game is out, it's like, oh, well, then everything is okay and happy. But, like, not no. you don't go back on a lot of that stuff. No. Like, it's not, like, just going to magically become okay in your personal life after this game shifts. Well, and so you maybe have, maybe you take a month out, but then you're going to be doing this again, <laughs> again for the next game. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, that's just yeah it's crazy i there was a lot of weird depressing stuff Mm -hmm. in there as well um and now they're gonna make another one yeah who's ready i'm excited yeah i am too i i i know we've had this conversation before but like where can they take this i don't know that's i'm very sort of afraid about it because Mm -hmm. you can't do what they did again and have it be as impactful, like, mm-hmm. unless, like, just you just play as Atreus or something. I have a feeling, I I just remember there was the scene when Atreus was sick, 
And then she was sending them to Helheim, and then she's like, do not cross that bridge. I just, I, there's something that's telling me that's going to be foreshadowing where Atreus kills Kratos, and then Atreus ends up crossing that bridge to bring him back. Mm, perhaps. I mean, that's like a big sticking point in Norse mythology, too, is mm-hmm. once you cross that line, you cannot come back from it, so. I, I, I have a feeling they're going to cross that. I'm sure. But also, they're going to fight Thor. Oh, that's so. Yes. <laughs> Which I think that's going to be like right at the start, and then that would be sick. And then it might cut ahead to a couple years, and Atreus will be older. Yeah, maybe like sixteen, seventeen. I, overall, I just I cannot stress enough how amazing it was that they mm. were able to make Kratos, <laughs> and by all accounts, like basically just like a garbage tier character with like no real personality other than anger. And turn him into, like, having an emotional arc with his son. Mm -hmm. But just, like, it is, like, it it is almost, like, an impossible feat that they were able to pull off. But they they keep it just believable enough that it works. Yeah. Where he's, like, he's developed and he's grown, but it's not like he's all of a sudden a happy person. Yeah. He's still very pensive. He's still very quiet. They talk about how, like, his grunts say a lot more than, like, his what he actually says but it's it is very they they nailed it they nailed the character development to the point where it is it is a believable character development yeah I, yeah. <sighs> yeah i'm trying to think did you have any more notes about anything specific no i just uh nope i think that's it I just like video game documentaries in general. Right. Like, I, anything No Clip puts out, mm-hmm. I am all about. Uh, and whoever they have make these ones for mm-hmm. Sony seems to do a good job. Um, Which, this makes me want to watch that No Clip that just released earlier this week on Telltale. Yes, I can't wait to watch that because... <laughs> and then there's another one that I've been meaning to watch that I haven't gotten around to, which is the new Netflix one on For Honor. Oh, I've not seen that. That's that they they released that on Netflix, which apparently that's more like this. Hopefully, Eric Pope is in that documentary. He works at that studio. Mm. Very exciting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The to the point where, like, I guess Ubisoft higher ups didn't really like it. Oh. So, like, I'm very interested. Well, in I'm I'm hyped for that Telltale one to actually watch that mm-hmm. because. Those people will probably be very candid yes. when they talk to Danny because what the fuck? Yes. And I'm still waiting for the third part of the Hades documentary because the new patch came out and I thought it was going to come out at the same time and it did not. But I'm. Well, we got a telltale, which will be very interesting. I know. Yeah. I, he had a couple other things that he said he was working on. Uh, so I No Clip rules. Yeah. yeah. So if you subscribe to No Clip for their cool documentary style. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like there have been a lot more video game documentaries cropping up. Right. And I, like, I know a lot of people don't like to see how the sausage is made. I, I crave it. I, like, yeah. I gotta know, like, anytime one of these things comes out, especially if it's mm-hmm. about a game that was troubled in development, like, that's my shit. Mm-hmm. Like, if there is a documentary about Crackdown 3, I will consume that <laughs> straight into my veins to be like, what the fuck happened here? Like, that's why mm-hmm. the Telltale one, I think, will be yeah. awesome, is because what the fuck happened there, especially mm-hmm. on the management, and almost entirely on the mm-hmm. management end. 
for a studio that by all accounts should have been making money hand over fist with these properties that they were granted yeah, yeah. I, i'm weird like when it comes to video games like yeah i want to consume all that stuff but like movies and stuff movies and tvs i do not want to know how the sausage is made. oh i do still because like it, I, because then my brain is gonna be taking it out take taking me out of like that sequence and be like oh i can see they did the green screen here and like <laughs> it, and i that would just kind of ruin i just want to be able to watch this and just be like this is just a dumb action sequence where video games like it's a little different because there's just they do the recording and then they do the animation and I, I it won't take me out of the game but like movies and stuff it would absolutely take me out of the the sequences yeah and like specifically the double fine documentary also is very good like mm-hmm. even though it is many many episodes long right like if you want to see what it's like when you promise something for a kickstarter and it goes way beyond what you said and takes more money like mm-hmm. well wasn't the documentary a bonus or something like that or um i it was like one of the stretch goals that right. they did hit um because that, that made like a ton more money than they anticipated it did but also it was not enough money right so like they ended up i don't remember they like had to partner with i think it was deep silver to do a physical release but also to get some of the money they needed and they had to like take out loans and stuff it there there's a lot going on in that documentary and like yeah and they do not seem to do crunch as much as most other developers even though they definitely do because a couple people get very ill right it just it's wild it is it is a wild thing um and I think it is important for these to keep coming out as well because then it's, I don't know. I think anything that gives people more of a look at the human aspect of say, people making games is good because it humanizes. Video it's games. awful. Like right. you just see the shit that people say to like random coders and programmers mm-hmm. that they know work on a game, and like it's fucked. And it, I don't. I don't know. Like I think taking some of the anonymity away from that aspect of it is probably really good it makes me want to when i play a game and i really like it it makes me want to just like take five minutes go on twitter and just tweet them and just be like hey great work great yeah job. like this this is sick yeah like I, yeah. I should do that more often i feel like because because like they're killing themselves <laughs> so i can buy some 60 dollar product at most 60 dollars like i don't know if it's worth it but like i appreciate it so i should probably just like let them know that i appreciate the time that they put in. yeah and i feel weird about it sometimes too especially like with indie games where you pay like 15 or 20 bucks mm-hmm. like i beat katana zero in four hours right he worked on that game for five years mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's just like I don't know, like, he slaved away on this, and most people who bought it beat it in the first day, but, like, that was his livelihood. I mean, good good for him, that game sold over a million copies in, like, the first week mm-hmm. for an indie game that's absurd. Right. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's so weird, because, like, God of War, you finish in, like, 30 or 40 hours, and then, mm-hmm. like, I'm probably not gonna go back to it, but you still spent five years of your life, life right. on this, and, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that happens with a lot of media. Mm-hmm. So, I I think it is good that these types of things are getting out there more and more often now because mm-hmm. it's just good good to have that knowledge. Right, it, right. It's like when Kickstarter started coming out and people would be like, "Well, you don't need like 
two million dollars to make this i could make it in my basement and like it was uh lab zero when they put out the like pie chart of what it would cost to make one character in Skullgirls, and they were like how about fuck off <laughs> this is how much money it would cost to make this one character so don't fucking tell us what it would cost to make this game while i can also right, right. have a fucking livable life and I was a big fan of that one. Mm -hmm. Not everyone was. They were like, well, calm down. But it was like, no, I think they deserve to be as upset. Yeah, yeah. Like, they deserve to say, this is why we need this much money. And that kind of transparency, also very good. Mm -hmm. um, which will never happen with bigger budget games. No, but, but I mean, like, it just, it just, I hope people watch these kind of documentaries and they just kind of stop and just kind of realize that the stress that people are putting into it. And I, I would like to see more projects that don't come together. It, it just so you can see that... Because I hate the whole, like, developers are lazy and this was just lazily put together. Yeah. When that's just not the case, the truth is, like, sometimes just games don't come together. Mm -hmm. And But, like, if you can show, like, the developers slaving over this for three, four years and it's just not coming together, it'll be a very sad, devastating story, but, like... Maybe it'll help humanize these people and they won't get trashed on by the the, the internet. Like, I, there have been plenty of times when I've been like, yo, this game sucks. Right. But I'm never going to, like, go directly tweet the director of the game and mm -hmm. be like, why did you make your game suck so much? You or whatever. money yeah, from me. Fuck off. It just... But people do People that. do do that. <laughs> yeah, all the time. And I, what I would like is people to, you know, you know, humanize these people a little bit more and... Realize that not everything is about you. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I'll, I I play a lot of games, and a lot of them I'm just, like, not into. I just try not to... I don't even bring them up, because I just don't want to shit on a game and stuff. So. Yeah. Sometimes I have to shit on a game, mm -hmm. because it, I need it well to make me feel better. Like, I think about Little Dragon's Cafe every so often, mm -hmm. and I'm like, ooh, can't believe it. Yeah, like, I, I played Fable. I tried playing Fable. I like the original Fable. I just Fable 2 is very good. I just couldn't get into it. I didn't like the combat, so then I switched to Darksiders, and I was like, this is this is better for me. So I think you should try Fable 2, because it's Fable 1 is old at this point. It's a 2004. So, yeah. It's 15 years old. Fable 2, much better. I will say... Not trying to poop on the game, it's just very... It just showed its age. 100%. Where, where like, every time you went into an area, it was, like, a load screen. So it was That just, was an original Xbox yes. game, okay? It was just, like, I'm not used to this many That's like screens. if you were trying to play a PS2 game now for the first mm -hmm. time, and you're like, hmm, yeah, this is I was, weird. I was just like, I can't I can't do these load screens anymore, so... Yeah, Fable 2 is a 360 game, at yes. least, and it, is, it was much, much better. I thought they may have fixed, because it was, like like, a remake... Fable Anniversary something. Oh, no, that for, just added all the DLC. I thought I was hoping that they updated it some, and it was it was very much an original Xbox game. Uh -huh. Very rough to go back to. So Yeah. All right, well, that will do it for us here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, the theme song, Sting Operation, by the band Anamanaguchi. They're a great chiptune band. We will catch you in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so have a have a great time until then. Yes. Peace out.